0: does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q-certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax
1: vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit
0: any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all.
2: On a Tuesday, I'm going to give a glimpse as to what it's like in here to begin the program. I... I actually got up and did a car switch this morning with my buddy Darren down at Stewart Tire in Greenwood who's going to do some stuff to the old Grand Cherokee today. So much appreciated for him accommodating that. So I was in here bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I was like Dak Prescott or C.D. Lamb or, I don't know, any of the Dallas Cowboys that had good games last night. And and then I, I get in here, and both you guys are like the kicker for the Cowboys. Kevin's throwing stuff around, looking for headsets. I mean, the you you got to be you know you get in here early you get your headsets ready you're, you're looking for headsets you're it, Mark is knocking stuff over mm-hmm. what, what's going on here? Uh, 7 o'clock Mark and I are good <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah the ball's kicked and we're good yeah you are
3: Red light's on, we're you're, good to go. We are, are good, good to point,
2: go. You're point after attempt number five, you right?
3: Know, painting a little bit of a um, Jake Query-type picture there, <laughs> no, Jake, I, is to start the show. Good Tuesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen. We're, I'm rocking and rolling, baby. Jake Query and Mark Dykedon. It was a busy Monday in the sports world. A couple matinee games, a thriller in East Lansing for the Boilers. And last night, Tom Brady looked pretty old, and we'll see if that was it for him. Of course, the Colts host the Buccaneers next season, and that scene post game—anytime you got the parents waiting outside the tunnel and you plop a kiss on mom—tend to think that that means it's it, right?
2: He's got to know it's over, right? I mean, that interception—did you guys? Were you guys Manning cast or Buck and Aikman? Buck now, and Aikman. I was going to ask you this, Kevin. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, and I know we're going to get to the game itself. But has the Manning cast diminished in its level of must see television? I'm not going to say has I, it run its course. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I am typically a
3: weekly viewer, um, especially if the guest list has someone intriguing on it. Again, I purely watch it, or I, I shouldn't say purely. A big reason why I watch it is because Peyton Manning can't hide his emotions. Right, he wanted that kicker thrown in the Tampa Bay last night. He was irate. I mean, look at him. They're showing the highlights right now. He's standing up after Maher. I think that was the third miss, not even the fourth miss. When he wanted, to, he wanted to cut him at halftime. Um, but last night, I was watching the Manning cast, and Brady throws that early interception in the end zone, where I don't know if he was thinking like Mike Evans was seven, was this all Zach Eadie, or if he was trying to throw it away there. Um, But Jake, to your earlier point, Dak Prescott was outstanding. Um, Just a playmaker all night long, made plays with his legs, five total touchdowns, Dallas rolls, 31-14. They will take on San Francisco. Nothing like just a classic Cowboys 49ers game to round out Divisional Round weekend. That will be next Sunday, the final game. I think it's like a 630-640 kick from the Bay Area. But I would say... The most noteworthy thing yesterday, certainly on a local level, was what Zach Eady did in East Lansing. And when you watch that final play for Purdue, obviously Eady has the game winner. Jake, I can't believe how good of a pass it was by Fletcher Lawyer. He's really good. He's a really good player. Really good. And Matt Painter is just such a weapon in those situations for Purdue. Length of the court, 10 seconds to go. You want to throw it into your big guy, which is no guarantee, and they do all of it in eight seconds. Sprain Smith hands it off to Lawyer, who, again, that pass was just perfect ball placement. Gave Edie a chance to make a quick play, a, a, a decisive play right away. Edie lays it in. Purdue wins at Michigan State 64-63, and there is no other candidate right now. That is near the Zach Eady level. He is the National College Basketball Player of the Year on January 17th, and there's really no debate.
2: They are just very fundamentally sound, Purdue is. Um, They are very confident in how they want to do what they do when the game's on the line. I mean, that's, you know, these are, we have two different games now where those guys are making plays down the stretch in the final possession, um, and they're very well coached, Purdue. Is. Is Zach Keeney a dirty player? Hmm, I I don't follow. I saw a lot of Michigan State fans... I saw Tom Brady go for a slide tackle last
3: night. I thought that's where you're going dirty.
2: <laughs> no, I, I saw... You know, there was a... The problem is this. The problem is that when you are seven foot four and 300 and whatever pounds, right, that when you get entangled with other... It, it's kind of hard to avoid contact. I know there are a lot of people that... that I saw fans and or like media people that cover other Big Ten schools talking about how few fouls that are called on him, and gee, isn't that coincidental? But yeah, maybe the two fouls, but I wouldn't call him dirty. I just call him big and physical. There was one play where he went up for a rebound. He got tangled with, I, I think it was, I can't recall who it was. Sissoko maybe, but he got tangled up with them and. Their arms are entangled and Edie very demonstratively whips his body a certain direction, which knocks him the guy to the floor, and Edie just kinda of drops the ball and walks off and there was no foul called, but it just looked excessive. I don't think he's a dirty player, but I've saw a lot of people starting to chatter that that he's dirty. I think sometimes you just get labeled that way because you're so much bigger than everybody else. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Izzo was pissed afterwards that
3: Edie played, what, 37? His stamina is incredible. The fact that he can play 36, 37 minutes at that size, have 32 and 17, uh, no fouls. That is, I think, what pissed Izzo off of how can a guy that big, that physical, play for that long and not have a single foul. Uh, But, man, that that, that end-of-game situation, that was just so flawless. And for lawyer, Jake, I mean, put yourself in his shoes. A true freshman playing where his brother went. Fans are all over him, and whether it was making big shots for Purdue or a huge entry pass there late, not an easy pass by any means. Uh, Again, gets it right to Zach Eady, a simple spin move for Eady lays it in, and Purdue wins 64-63 over Michigan State. Uh, Pacers... Pretty poor second half yesterday.
2: Fourth quarter in particular. Yeah, right? definitely
3: fourth quarter, which really rained on T.J. McConnell's parade. <laughs> it was funny watching that game in the first half. I've always thought this about T.J. McConnell. He has such a great knack for knowing like who needs the ball. Who's hot? Who do we need to keep feeding? And yesterday, after he hit like that corner three, and then after he, I think he hit one more jumper, it almost was like he had the look of, oh, wow. I'm the one that's scorching hot. I'm the one that needs the green light. And T.J. McConnell took it all first half. A career high in the first half. He had 25 by halftime. But, uh, yeah, the Pacers just awful perimeter defense. Milwaukee, 23 three-pointers. No Giannis, no Chris Middleton. They still beat the Pacers by 13. Jake, that's four in a row. First time all year for the Pacers that they've lost four in a row.
2: And I think they knew. It was going to be tough without Tyrese Halliburton, but I don't. I think going into it, they were. I'm not going to say okay with that, but they knew that they kind of had built themselves a bit of a cushion, if that makes sense. And so, I'm not saying that they are okay with losing games. Don't misquote me, but I don't think they're panicked by it either, because I think they kind of knew. Yeah, we're going to have to tweak some things here and see. And not to mention, when when you're out, your best player and you're the straw mixing the drink. If you look at who's so you know, the last two games at least, you're talking about two pretty good teams. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm I mean the Bucks saying, were missing. I, I get it, but you're on Giannis the road. and Middleton. I get it. But it's still, I mean And they it's tough because they going into the fourth quarter you felt like they were probably going to get it, right? And then they get it got scored 14, 18 in the fourth. But my point being You know, we'll see what happens here with a couple more on the road. I mean, Oak City is one you could get, Denver, Phoenix, some challenges there. But I don't know how long Halliburton is going to be out, but clearly he is absolutely the engine, right?
3: Yeah, that reevaluation date is a week from Thursday. Um, You know, I said this last week when the four-game losing streak got started in Philly, Jake, and you know what? This is a credit to the Pacers. If I were to sit here for three hours, Jake, and – give credit to the Pacers for an entertaining loss, I think a vast majority of the fan base or listening audience would be like, dude, I don't want to hear that. Right. Especially now,
2: right? But again, we that's would've... a credit to the Pacers. Right. Like They w- bought themselves that that cushion and that expectation. Both.
3: The Colts never gave us hope all season long. They stunk from the first game. So it was never like, oh man, you know, watch out for these pesky Colts. They they can still get in the playoffs. No, they, they were never there. The Pacers... Once Miles Turner got back after missing that first week and they started to win some games, it was always like, oh my gosh, this team could, you know, really overachieve, potentially make the playoffs. I probably can step back a little bit and say, these losses are not the end of the world. Because even with a healthy Halliburton, you were still the seven seed. And that's, that's the play in. So again, I know that and I think, honestly, the Colts season plays into some of it because of just how disappointing, and as a fan, you had to watch such bad football that you wanted to see the winning and just the better, whatever, display of sports, frankly. And the Pacers have offered that.
2: But I think if we can all look big picture, this isn't the end of the world for the Pacers. Uh, did you see that yesterday, I, I guess, not I guess, I mean, in in, in tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Day, that all of the, now do you say museum or museum? Uh, probably go with the former museum, children's museum. Yeah, I, I say museum and people get on me about that. But did you see that all of them in Central Indiana were free yesterday? Yep. I would not like to meet those people, by the way. Did you take advantage, Mark? No,
4: but I was aware of it.
2: What is your favorite museum, museum in the area?
4: Probably children's. children's. I mean, that's the go-to, and Yeah, you? we were there on Saturday. Yeah, great, great
2: time there. Can you still run down the ramps? Do they discourage that?
3: Uh, I have not been told. I mean, Rosie's form of running kind of looks like Brett Maher's form of kicking. So uh, <laughs>
2: you don't know whether she's going. Yeah, to the right or the like left.
3: she'll fall here in the next five feet. Just you know, she'll be fine. Um, but yeah, we we went Saturday. I, I did not realize that. Is that a every holiday thing or I, you know, specifically to Doctor Martin? I'm not King? certain on
2: that. There's a guy that that goes to my gym actually yesterday that just said. We were just talking, and you know, I said, Hey, did you have the day off today? And he said, Well, actually, I had to work, but I took a half a day because I saw he had mentioned that I had tweeted, retweeted the Kurt Vonnegut Museum, um, which is very cool. I'm a huge Vonnegut fan, for lack of a better phrase. You know, he's obviously no longer with us, but, um, and i have a couple of things on display at that museum and so he had seen it and he said hey I, yeah i knew about it cuz you had tweeted that the museum was free yesterday so then i looked and all of them were and this guy took the day off and went to all of them he went to the idol jorg the state museum the Look at that. Museum. yeah which is the idol jorg is fabulous mm-hmm. um, new fields is fabulous a, a very underrated museum in the area have you guys ever been to the indiana medical history museum no Mm-mm. Where at? It is on the grounds of the old Central State Hospital, which for a long time was very uh, a creepy area, I thought. But um, it is really interesting because it is originally, you know, that was obviously a hospital for mental illness, so they have a lot of neurological study that is still there, but it's from like the... It was the pathological lab as well of the hospital from like the 20s, and it has all of that stuff still there. It also was a lecture hall for Indiana University School of Medicine at the turn of the century. It's pretty fascinating.
3: So if, well, and I believe he does, or at least has a traveling one, Jim Mersey has a traveling museum, if I'm not
2: mistaken. Uh, Jim Harbaugh will not be in there as a coach? Uh I'm not ready to say that yet. I realized yesterday, whoa, for those whoa, that are tell me more. and by the way, good morning to you. It is a Tuesday. I'm Jake Quarry. That's Kevin Bowen. He might have said that. Mark Dykton here as well. Uh, coming up on the program today, Nate Atkins is going to join us a little over an hour, and then Chuck Pagano in the 9 o'clock hour to kind of give us a view or a glimpse inside what does happen with coaching interviews and what they might be looking for. Speaking of the Colts, um, I realized that Jim Harbaugh yesterday issued a statement. Hey, I've never been happier anywhere and you know, I'm I'm excited to stay here at Michigan Go Blue. And everybody just shut the the door on it. Well, that's it. He's staying. I know I'm jaded. I know I'm cynical. I know I'm probably a jerk. I Nick Saban said the same thing the day before he had a press conference in Tuscaloosa. I mean, granted that was NFL to college, but money talks, man. I you know, well, isn't he getting money from Michigan? He is, but I'm just. But NFL teams have virtually an unlimited.
3: So you think he still could be in this cycle's coaching mix? I,
2: I, I hate to sound like tinfoil hat guy. I I realize it's a 98% chance. I, I just don't think that a statement, a press release statement, is a 100% guarantee until like. September, you know what I mean.
3: <laughs> NFL team fires their head coach a week before the season. We're well, hiring I mean, Harbaugh.
2: I, I'm being a little ridiculous there, but I,
3: I, I just was never on this Harbaugh is going to be the savior train. Uh, what was I naive to that? I, I'm just like this is a guy that when you look at the Colts operation, it's not like coach walks in and in one or two years it's fixed. You know, I thought again. Wear out whatever young core you're about to start to rebuild around. Obviously, the young quarterback, you throw that in there. And it just seemed from day one, this was extremely agent, contractual d- driven for me. It was really awkward. I mean, Carolina, they reported interest or conversation in Harbaugh seemed extremely one-sided. Like the Harbaugh camp basically begging Carolina to speak with him. Um, I guess Denver was really the only team that got... I don't know, maybe even multiple conversations in with them. Uh, for those that missed... Uh, okay, can I read you
2: the statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to read it, yeah. Quote, I love the relationship that I have at Michigan. Coaches, staff, families, administration. President Santa Ono, and especially the players and their families. My heart is at the University of Michigan. I once heard a wise man say, don't try to out-happy-happy. Happy. Go blue. Uh, okay? I mean, it's typical Harbaugh, right? Weird.
3: I'm sure his agent in there is like, make no... His agent's himself, right? Absolute. I I thought he added an agent. Did he? Um, Now, I guess Adam Schefter did report that he called Denver yesterday, Harbaugh, and told them that he was returning to Michigan. So, that to me probably is a little bit of a truer indication than, you know, Santa Ono public comments. Love that name, by the way.
2: I, I just, I don't rule out... I have nothing to base this on at all, and I'm sure it's 98%, but that to me does not say I am emphatically and without question excited to stay at the University of Michigan, and I am flattered by overtures elsewhere, but this is where my heart is. I I mean... His name was never really thrown around with the Colts,
3: if you're even going to look at Carolina and Denver... Uh, here in the last couple of weeks, and his conversations with both of those franchises. And who else's name
2: wasn't thrown around with the Colts? Jeff Saturday, and then all of a sudden one day he was hired because Jim Mercer had a gut, right? Yeah, I. With Jim Mersa, never is never. You know,
3: you never can rule out anything. I guess, but I, I feel like we can move on. Maybe not. With this, uh, ten candidates now for the Colts. They added three more to the list. We'll go over them a little bit later. Uh, Wink Martindale, the DC of the New York Giants, their offensive coordinator as well. Mike Kafka, Uh, the Giants unquestionably one of the best coaching jobs this season. Brian Dable, their head coach coming over from Buffalo, really didn't have any prior connections to either of those guys. Kafka, again, the offense coordinator, and then uh, Martindale running the defense there. I don't look at the Giants at all and think they have playoff level talent, let alone at their pass-catching positions. Uh, And then D'Amico Ryans, who I think from day one has always been the guy that I've wanted to see here. Um, Pretty sought-after candidate, or will be, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Um, Sounds like he's going to... I think I saw Houston and Denver will get interviews later this week. Um, Again, tight schedule with these teams still playing. Uh, Mike Kafka made it very clear yesterday that he will not interview this week. I think Wink Martindale is joining him in that the Giants play on Saturday night against the Eagles so this is going to be an extensive process and I don't think we're in any sort of immediate final answer here are you surprised Jake 10 candidates in only one with head coaching experience and that didn't even
2: come in the last decade not necessarily because isn't that kind of the I mean how many coaches if you look right now let's let's look at this uh, of the teams remaining, and I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot with a case that's going to be made against what I'm about to say here, uh, of the teams remaining in the playoffs. Okay. I'm going to name the team and with the head coach, you tell me if they had had previous stops before the place where they are now head coach. Uh-huh. Ready? Uh, obviously Jacksonville. Yes. Right. I think he
3: got about half, right? Buffalo. Uh, Sean McDermott. Was he the interim at all
2: in Carolina? In terms of a head, eh, we'll count interim, okay. Uh, Cincinnati? No. San Francisco? I don't believe he was ever interim. Giants? No. And Mike McCarthy, obviously, yeah, so 50%, right? So my point being, there is certainly precedent that it doesn't have to be a guy with head coaching experience. Um, and I it think, almost seemed like that's what people thought Like you had gone coordinator, coordinator
3: So again, do you go well, and, and coordinator, coordinator, I mean Chuck Pagano Who's going to join us here at the 9 o'clock hour And then Frank Reich I, I think the bigger thing It's like the Pacers going from Nate Bjorken to Rick Carlisle I mean, totally different right. in experience The
2: bigger thing is if you look at the coaches that are remaining The head coaches remaining Their background before becoming head coach More often than not, offensive side Yeah, of
3: Sean ball. McDermott is the only one left right. From a defensive side If you go back to last year It's very similar. Mike Rabel and Sean McDermott would have been the only two of the final eight. So I know it's been a debate. If you look at the Colts list so far of the ten candidates, five on defense, four on offense, one special teams, and I guess Jeff Saturday is just kind of this
2: outlier of it all. Did you have a favorite Wink Martindale game show? Tic-Tac-Doe? Are you guys too young for Tic-Tac-Doe? It
3: shows you how, like, unfamous the Wink Martindale is in the NFL. Probably not often you search head coaches in the nfl and there's a different name that <laughs> i know tops the google search now wink martindale for those that have never seen this individual i feel like he looks like bruce arian's cousin and like bruce we're arian's mullet,
2: the coach right yes
3: the, the coach not the um, bob barker background he's a former truck driver wink martindale the coach correct we're,
2: we're talking strictly about the coach
3: I was texting someone with the Giants yesterday and their description
4: of Wink Martin. texting
2: someone with the Giants? Uh huh, with the Giants organization? How dare you? What? (laughs) I don't know. How do you know someone in the Giants organization? Like, that's impressive, but. (laughs) I didn't know that was such a big deal. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just to- that's. Am I the only one, Mark, that feels like that's kind of. I was a texting random- someone
4: from the Falcons organization. We all do it, Jake. Uh, he's a
3: freaking man, Juice Guy, and a great teacher. He looks like the man, Wink Martindale.
2: Again, defensive coordinator, Juice Guy, like he, like he sells that. That V, like what? What does that mean?
3: I don't think he's in any sort of Ener- pyramid scheme. Energy guy.
2: Um, <laughs> he's like, there. now this bottle here's for you. This one you just need. <laughs>
4: it's zero <laughs> sugar. Believe me. <laughs> he looks awesome. Wink
3: Martindale, uh, fifty-nine years old. He's the oldest candidate so far on the list. There, you know, for those that remember him with Baltimore at all. Baltimore, extremely aggressive defense, big blitzing style. He's brought that to the Giants. He so. looks
2: like a former truck driver.
3: Yes. Wink Martindale, Damico Ryans, Mike Kafka, add those three names to the list. And as we mentioned yesterday, now that the wild card games have been played, you can start to interview those candidates. And of course you look at all three of them all three of these new names. All of them We're coaching on Wild Card Weekend. Now the question becomes, does Leslie Frazier get added to the list, the Buffalo defensive coordinator? Do we see Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore from Dallas? I know those have been a couple of coveted names. Um, And I, I just think one lingering question from last night, does Todd Bowles get fired? And does Tampa enter the
2: mix? You know, that was pretty embarrassing. Wink Martindale looks like he could be a Rex Ryan cousin. Oh, I thought Bruce Arian's mullet cousin. Yeah, the mullet, I could see that too. I could see that too. A lot of Oakley Blades, so that makes sense.
3: Yeah, again, D'Amico Ryans so of the three yesterday. I think that is the name that's most coveted. It's really impressive what San Francisco's defense has done. Uh, I think NFL fans will recognize that name. Played mostly for the Texans for about a decade, won a couple Pro Bowl. Or won a couple Pro Bowls, won a couple Pro Bowls. I should say, made a couple of Pro Bowls. Um, so we'll see if he interviews in Indy again chuck pagano gonna join us in the nine o'clock hour is chuck officially retired is
2: he done done i think but maybe we can ask him that right he's living in wyoming correct
4: idaho yeah i thought it was idaho boise that's That's why he's coming out 9 40 because he's on mountain time i was gonna say it's gonna be early out there is he
3: a name that like you know he's got a resume it's I mean, his head coaching resume is better than Raheem Morris's. I guess if you want to go that that route. You know, in
2: hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I, I feel like his his time here, they were you know they were probably more competitive. I think maybe we took for granted the level of competitiveness they had. You know.
3: Well, when you go four twelve and one, it probably right opens up saying A thing. Uh, Bucks at Colts next year. Tom Brady playing? Not not in that game.
2: Is he in the NFL? Someone will give him a shot. Did you think postgame... With the amount of money that Fox is going to pay him, I I would think... I think he knows it's over.
4: If he wants to play, he will play. Someone will offer him a a job. Postgame looked a little...
2: I kind of forget how it
3: ended last year with the Rams. Obviously, that game was a lot closer. This game was a blowout. But, I don't know. I I got the vibe... (laughs) It seemed a little bit Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay from a couple of weeks ago. Both those two, I think what we've learned over the years is you absolutely never know.
2: I, he's got to know it's over, right? That he's interception early in the game. Five years old. That INT early was so bad. He's five years younger than I am, and he looks weird. He looks like artificial intelligence at this point. Like... Go in the booth. I tell you what, I've seen a few fat, pictures of a
3: significant good. others. They don't think he looks weird.
2: Does he have a new one since the Woo! divorce?
3: Oh, yeah. I didn't. Okay. Fire up that Google during the break, but maybe just do it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton on this Tuesday morning. Again, Chuck Pagano going to join us a little bit later in the 9 o'clock hour. I'm curious if any of these candidates that have been thrown around the Colts, if he has an opinion on any of them. Don't think him and wink Martindale cross pass in Baltimore, but certainly come from the John Harbaugh background. Uh, Nice, not a bad temp, honestly, on this Tuesday morning. Kevin Aquaria, right here, 93.5, 107.5, the fan.
2: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
3: The game winner last night in East, I should say yesterday afternoon in East Lansing. Braden Smith got the inbounds, handoff to Fletcher Lawyer. Lawyer threw it into Zach Edie, and thirty-second, 31st and 32nd point of the night proved to be the game winner. It sounded... Like this.
0: Caleb first inbounds to Smith. 10 seconds to go. Lawyer, the freshman, into
4: the post. Edie gets to the rim and scores. Two seconds to go. Purdue by one.
1: You knew the big guy was going
3: to be a presence. Jake, how about at 32 for Zach Edie yesterday? Tom Izzo, first half, had a refusal to double team. Um, So Zach Edie. Uh, attempted a ton of shots. Again, he is the best player in college basketball this season, and based off how you look at kind of teams in the top five, top ten, he is the clear favorite for
2: National Player of the Year. That the call as it sounded on Fox television yesterday. So the Boilers now off until Thursday at Minnesota, what has been a house of horrors in the annals of Purdue basketball, but they come in at 17-1. That game will be on Thursday, that same night, Thursday night, Indiana will be at Illinois. (laughs) Uh, yesterday in the NBA, so we talked about in Milwaukee, the Pacers. TJ McConnell, 25 in the first half. They hung around, and then Milwaukee ends up outscoring him by 18 in the fourth. 132, 119. The final Pacers now in Oklahoma City coming up on Wednesday. It's a four
3: game road trip this week. Um, Disney on ice over Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Miles Turner did have 30 and 8 in his return. favorite
2: Disney character
3: from uh, Back Spasms. Um, probably the beast
2: mark jasmine yeah he's the father of three girls <laughs> just kidding am, am i am i weird if i was just gonna go with goofy is he not a disney character I mean, oh, no no he's a he is.
4: iconic one he's running around the but, parks right now but, but pluto yeah sure dog or what is he pluto's a dog yeah no what's goofy he's a dog too okay weird that one is verbal and the other one's not that's okay
2: yeah. I mean, d- dogs have different personalities.
4: Mark's getting very technical. Which here one's on that? Goofy.
2: The one in the clothes. Well, Pluto came from the shelter, so he's still a little timid.
4: Yeah. He'll warm up at some point. Disney on Ice has got to be a demanding ticket over there. Probably, right? Mm -hmm. It's a week worth of shows or whatever it is, multiple shows a day. I don't
3: think so. Uh, Thunder tomorrow night for the Pacers, Nuggets, and Suns to close out the week. Uh, Tonight in college basketball, uh, up at Hinkle Fieldhouse, it's the annual 44 game. Of course, that is to honor um, Andrew Smith and raise awareness for Bone Marrow Registry. So it's Butler and Creighton tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, Butler coming off a win over Villanova on Friday. I believe Ball State is in action tonight as
2: well. That's a very easy thing to do, by the way, to put yourself on the bone marrow registry. Uh, It's a swab of the inside of the cheek, at least when I did it. Yeah. Uh, And I've been on the registry My wife and I did it a few weeks ago. Probably 10 years or so. Um, So a great thing to do. Finally, (laughs) uh, last night in the National Football League, it was Dallas 31-14 over Tampa Bay. We talked about it. Bucks, of course. Is that the end for tom brady he was 35 of 66 for 351 two touchdowns and a pick but i think a lot of that was kind of backloaded if you will uh the big story in the game quite frankly was dallas missing not one not two not three but four extra points right but that's Brett maher get cut today no that's a good question
4: kevin because where do you turn at this point well i mean there's tons of free agent kickers you really want to play that, roll that dice in the playoffs, though, as opposed to a guy that just missed four extra points yeah, in a row for know. the first time in NFL yeah, history. You go off of what Jerry Jones said after post game.
1: We look at some kickers no. this week. No, okay. we won't. We just uh, uh, he's uh, he's done enough good ones. <laughs> I he's thought he was done hurt, enough. To good be ones. honest with you,
2: I wondered if he was hurt. Well, I would have faked an injury if I were him. Yeah, I mean something on the a hit point yeah I got a hit pointer final eight
3: teams Dak Prescott is the oldest quarterback at 29 when do you think is the last time we've had the final eight teams and not a single quarterback over 29 years
2: old that's a really good well a long time ago because you'd have to I mean Tom Brady right there or Peyton Manning or I mean you'd have to I mean hell
3: even last year like Ryan Tannehill qualifies as over
2: 30 yeah I mean I mean you got to go back years right you think it's ever happened I mean, it used to be that you didn't start in the NFL until you were 29, right? Jags
3: at Chiefs on Saturday, Giants-Eagles Saturday night, the Sunday slate- Probably the two marquee games, uh, Bengals at Bills and then Cowboys and 49ers. That is the divisional round coming up this weekend. There are some names that we'll be coaching in those games that the Colts have interest in. I think two really intriguing names that have entered the candidate list for the Colts uh, yesterday. Two of the three I think really stand out to me. We'll explain more coming up next. And again, Chuck Pagano going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour.
2: 17 minutes, fabulous song by the way Before the hour of 8 o'clock, Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton Really good looking Tuesday morning, good morning to you Hope you are set for what looks to be a sun-kissed and warm day today At least by January standards Um, And the coaching search for the Colts continues on this Tuesday And perhaps like today's weather Kevin, with each day it becomes a little bit more clear versus days past. But now we have a, a better idea. It feels like it, and they are clearly casting a wide net. Now the ultimate question is going to become as Chris Ballard goes through and interviews a number of different people from different franchises and different sides of the football, how much of that recommendation is Jim Mercer going to take to heart? But uh, a couple of names yesterday that came about, and a couple of them, I think that actually got people kind of excited at this point. Yeah, I would
3: agree. I, i'll I'll start here, Jake. I um uh, I guess I don't know how much credit Chris Bauard deserves for this, but I think it's very smart how Chris Bauard is operating in this head coaching search. You know, I, I know there's a level of impatience and naturally we all have as humans. so you you want to see more of a final list or you want to see, uh, hey, you know who who's the favorite so far? I mean, Chris Ballard made this very clear from day one. They will be extremely patient, which I think is smart. Like, you know, when you are a bad football team and you fire your head coach, you are afforded the opportunity to have this sort of interview process. So use it to your advantage. Interview tons of candidates. Even if you don't have like an immense amount of interest in a particular candidate, at the very least, Jake, I look at it as... Why not have that person you know, on Zoom for three hours? And I might get some intel on that person, on their organization, on who they like around the league, on who they don't like around the league. To me, I look at it as a tremendous opportunity to just gather information on what's thought to be a lot of, again, impressive young minds around the NFL. So 10 candidates. Theoretically, Jeff Saturday, I guess, is number 11. They've interviewed seven so far. Um, three more on the list, Again, just kind of briefly go over them from yesterday. D'Amico Ryan's a defensive coordinator from the 49ers, that is the best defense in the NFL from a yards and point standpoint. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's played in the NFL for about a decade, two-time Pro Bowler, again thought really highly around the league, I think four of the five um, teams that have openings right now. Would like to interview him. They play on Sunday. It sounds like he'll interview with the Broncos on Thursday, the Texans on Friday. We'll see where the Colts and the Cardinals then fit into that. Um, and then two people from the New York Giants. Uh, Wink Martindale, their, their defensive coordinator. We think he's Bruce Arian's long-lost cousin. Um, just a great look to him. 59 years old. The oldest candidate, heavy defensive background, extremely aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is the only team that reportedly has interest in him so far. Uh, And then their offensive coordinator with the Giants, that would be Mike Kafka. He is the youngest of the 10 candidates, 35 years old. Kafka to me, Jake, is an interesting resume. Um, Again, he is the offensive coordinator in the play caller for Brian Dable with the Giants. The previous four years, he was Patrick Mahomes' position coach, was elevated to Kansas City's passing game coordinator each of the last two years. For our diehard Big Ten football fans out there, um, they will probably remember the Kafka name, played at Northwestern. Um, I don't know about you guys, but if you told me right now to name two New York Giants wide receivers and or tight ends, I could not do it. Boy, yeah. They have... No talent outside of Saquon Barkley at the skill positions. And yet, they just put up 31 points in a game where Barkley, I think, had nine carries. Like I, I'm And
2: they're creative in the way that they get the ball. Extremely creative. Right?
3: Yeah. Daniel Jones, they've done a great—Kafka's done a great job in getting him to not turn the ball over. And they've really turned him into, like, a runner. I mean, he's—I think he's doubled kind of his carry. So, that is a name of—you think of a Zach Taylor, you think of a Sean McVay, you think of these kind of young offensive minds— worked under Andy Reid him and Chris Bauer did not have any overlap in Kansas City but that's
2: a name that I am intrigued by along with D'Amico Ryan's. let me read you what Dave asked us and I think this is a fair point guys the number of interviews for head coaches is ridiculous it reeks of the Colts hiring Saturday and coming back with after an exhaustive search Sean Payton having no interest is very telling he says your thoughts
3: well on, on the Peyton front you know he made it clear from his own side you know he wants a very
2: stable ownership situation um I think he probably wants a known quarterback situation too right well he interviewed with the Texans yesterday they said well yeah and that's but the Texans at least have the number one yeah. pick I guess but yeah for now mm-hmm. right uh well
3: two I guess technically but yeah um
2: I th- two yeah I guess you're right yeah
3: A question I have with Sean Payton, and boy, he was really transparent yesterday with Colin Coward explaining his situation. He said the compensation for him, he has heard, is a mid-to-late first-round pick. And I guess the Colts have an early second-round pick. But again, you have to trade for him. So I think it's kind of a two-way street with Payton. I'm not like going home on that interest. I'll push back a little bit with with Dave. I have no problem with the Colts wanting to interview as many candidates as possible. Again, Jake, even if you're not going to hire these people... Get intel. Learn more about these people around the NFL. Learn more about organizations. Maybe you get to tap into the New York Giants and say, all right, what has Brian Dable brought to you guys that you are going to bring here? And even if you don't hire those candidates, you're jotting those notes down, and you hire a candidate from wherever, the Rams, and you take the intel you got from that Giants interview, and if you're Chris Bauer, you say, hey, have you thought about it like this? Or you could be interviewing some of these candidates also to be coordinators for your staff. So I have no issue in wanting to interview a lot of people. And honestly, Jake, I'll just sneak this in. The more people you interview, the more candidates you see and you find good ones, you present that to Jim Irsay and then maybe he views Jeff Saturday in a different light.
2: Now, the comparison I've always felt and maybe it's because of the age that I am right now. And a lot of my friends have kids or my sister, for that matter, have kids, you know, in the college, late high school, looking at colleges. But you hear this a lot. You know, Rosie's taking a college visitation on Thursday to go take a look at Kenyon College. And you're like, oh, Kenyon. So, does, Pacers it, it, keep on losing. That's where Max could be heading. <laughs> a lot of interest in Kenyon. They're in Wabash's and college, then, aren't they? Or a conference? Probably. Same size school, right? And then, well, they're not necessarily, you know, she's not necessarily overly interested in that school, but wants to get familiar with the process, right? Like, you know, they they came and they set up a table in the cafeteria and it was kind of of interest. So we just kind of want to get familiar with the process of applying to schools. And you know see if indeed there's something you like there's probably a little bit of that on both sides of the coin when it comes to head coaching interviews there're probably some coaches it's not necessarily that they think that they are legitimately a candidate for the Indianapolis Colts or the you know in Carolina Panthers or Denver Broncos as much as they've now started to think about that part of their career so they want to get familiar yeah. with what goes into the process and vice versa right
3: yeah i mean it helps your resume Yeah, You know, hey, teams have interest in me. So I have no issue with it. I mean, Greg points this out. You're getting intels and other mans. Thanks for wasting my time, Chris. I don't know if it's total waste. Again, you're introduced to a process that might be different and foreign to them. Um, So I'm just fine with how the Colts have operated here. Is it a bit of a shame, I guess, that Sean Payton wouldn't have an immense amount of interest? Sure. uh, But that's more of the... Of the Colts doing. Kafka and Ryans to me. Again, three candidates from teams that played on Wild Card Weekend. We'll see if anybody else joins that list. The Dallas coordinators, uh, Leslie Frazier, Kafka and Ryans. Those are two names yeah. that I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, was told the Colts, and this was several weeks ago, the Colts had heavy interest in D'Amico Ryans, which is no surprise. I think I think a lot think of teams would. Of right? all the
2: coordinators, he seems to be the most coveted He's the one that I name. think, Ryans is the one that, jumped off the page to the most fans now that doesn't mean anything I mean fans don't make the hire but I think there were a lot of people because of him like, as a player no just be, I think his reputation I mean I think people were like excited by that I mean San Francisco and what they've done this year I, I, I think Kevin that the Niners are a team that if you look at what San Francisco is doing other than Christian McCaffrey you know and obviously Debo Samuel's a great player but they're not a team part of it because they're on the west coast but they're not a team that this jumps out at you like in the sexy factor we've heard about philly all year long right we hear about obviously joe burrow and josh allen and Patrick mahomes all in the afc i realize all year long and, and clearly dallas is always in the conversation because of the star power pardon the pun of dallas but I think people are just overall impressed by, wow, San Francisco just has not wavered. They've been consistent all year. They play really well. Overcome a lot of injuries. Yeah, and they don't jump out at you as a star-studded team, even though they have really good players. So, I just think that there is kind of a sexiness or a, a, a tip of the cap respect level about the way san francisco has gone about their year that makes anybody who's on their staff desirable
3: now some would say that kevin that is the biggest stretch in the world you're lying with this there's no way that can be true in the opening segment we mentioned the pacers four-game road trip disney on ice over at GameBridge bridge field house we talked about our disney characters for a few minutes uh chip kelly I believe gave D'Amico Ryans his first head coaching stint in the NFL. Chip Kelly refers to D'Amico Ryans as a Disney character. Which Disney character is D'Amico Ryans in the eyes of of Chip Kelly? See, now here's the thing.
2: When you ask me Disney characters, you know, I, I don't have kids, so I'm not as aware with the recent Disney movies. So to me, Disney characters are just your core, your... And I get them mixed up with the Looney Tunes sometimes, but you're Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto. That's it, right?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think we're, we would... I think this qualifies like, as a modern-day core Disney character. Don't think Olaf or Elsa... I don't even know if Can Elsa... Can take a could crack qualify. at it? So, Mark Dackton should be all over this. Buzz Lightyear. That is a modern-day core character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Buzz Lightyear. Hmm. It's an animal. An animal.
2: Now, hang on. I, I, have you Googled Simba? it? I, I'm simply looking Mark up... Mark Dykton is hot.
4: Mustafa. Mufasa, correct? Yep. Now Calls
3: D'Amico Ryan's Mufasa.
2: Now, he's from The Lion King, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away spoiler alerts. People have had 30 years to see the film. I, I've seen the the, the Broadway musical. Uh, one of them... I oh, you got to see the film. One of them dies, right? Correct. It's, yep. it's not the move. It's not this fella, is it?
3: Uh, there are some moments there with Scar that things get a bit dicey. I, I, I'm not going to reveal that, Jake. I don't want to reveal that to people. Watch the movie. Yeah. Okay. You saw the Broadway show. You should know. Uh, there is a calmness about him, and that if you're around D'Amico Ryan's, you feel like everything's good. T- has a ton of respect for people, um, no matter kind of the background resume. So unbelievable that we just tied in disney on ice with D'Amico rinds i didn't think we'd be going there at some point but i'd
2: rather have him than woody like if they said woody that would be of concern to me
3: oh, i like pull my string i really like the uh the dinosaur in um rex yeah rex Hmm.
2: i always kind of liked
3: eeyore when i was a kid oh dear afraid eeyore would kind of be a boring offense it would kind of look like the colts offense from this year If Eeyore was the head coach.
2: There were times Eeyore was at quarterback, right? Literally looked like that. Eeyore, that did work. We'll just run it again. (laughs) I felt like watching Tom Brady last night, he kind of fit Mm -hmm. in with the Colts quarterbacks this past year. Correct. He's probably a candidate for next year, right? Don't even say it.
3: Uh, So we're up to 10 candidates now again. Uh, 11 would be Jeff Saturday. Uh, As far as interviews for this week, the Giants coaches, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, They both seem to have kind of a handshake agreement that their focus will be on getting ready for the Eagles Saturday night. Uh, So we're going to have to wait a little bit. And it doesn't look like D'Amico Ryans will interview either this week. Uh, So again, this process is going to take a little bit of time. We'll uh, take your calls on this. 317-239-1070. Get back into produce thrilling victory yesterday in East Lansing. Chuck Pagano joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin and Inquiry on a Tuesday. Really nice
5: start to this.
3: here in indianapolis and jake i guess it's fitting that i don't know kind of looks like a start to the month of may type of
2: morning you said some 8500 news that would be nice wouldn't it um yeah no big surprise here but officially now chip ganassi racing announcing that takuma sato will drive the number 11 car for them in the oval races this year that would mean the two-time Indy 500 winner indeed will have an opportunity to qualify for the Indianapolis 500 in May with one of the power wow. teams. That's Marcus a pretty good Armstrong, pairing. Strong, a 22-year-old Kiwi will run for them on the road and street courses in the 11 car. But Sato uh, getting another shot at Indy, and yeah, he has run really, really well there. It's
3: so. quite the pairing there for the month of may um again chuck pagano going to join us in the nine o'clock hour a lot to get to in the jim harbaugh cj stroud front but the colts head coaching search uh continues uh, up to 10 candidates jeff saturday would be number 11 i know david's been hanging around for a few minutes let's get to david david good tuesday morning to you good morning guys how are we doing today doing swell yourself really
6: really good awesome hey um if we, I would do anything to get D'Amico Ryan in uh, as a head coach in Indy, there is no question about it. If I was uh, if I was the upper brass up there, I would anything he wants, he gets. Now, saying uh, being said that, if we go back to Jeff Saturday, I'm done. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm done. You know what I mean? If he hires Jeff Saturday after going through all this, I don't know what to say. You
2: know what I mean? I really don't.
3: Appreciate it, David. Uh, Jake, that seems to be a popular sentiment. This Jeffrey tweets at me: Ursay will lose the fan base if Saturday's the higher. Absolutely cannot
2: happen." And I understand that because the results weren't there in terms of wins and losses. What we don't know that I think is, you know, fair to point out. Not saying it's gospel is the possibility that when Jim Irsay brought in Jeff Saturday is the, and I know that he said like it was about wins and and staying in contention. I don't know what the exact job description for lack of a better phrase. Jeff Saturday was an unconventional interim hire, Kevin. And I don't know that we can rule out the possibility that Jeff Saturday was given a checklist by Jim Irsay that, differs than what the public would assume. And that perhaps he fulfilled some of that in terms of simply being a guy that was there to inventory what they had, who they could run with, and to try to change. And I I, I really hate the word culture because I think it is so overused. Accountability is probably a better word. I think there are probably things that went on behind closed doors maybe that we're unaware of, that I'm not saying it translated to what ultimately you need to do, which is win football games. But I think there is the possibility that Jim Mersey said, look, we have to let the fans know that we want to win games. But my bigger concern right now is I need somebody that can absolutely be an antiseptic wipe to this entire thing and that that's what he was brought in to do not saying that that means he gets the job full time but I don't know that we can rule out that that is exactly what happened
3: yeah uh, that's that's an interesting thought I just I don't know where the qualifications are for Jeff Saturday as a serious candidate Um, especially when you compare him to some of these others Um, not to mention again over the two months you know were were, were the Colts some great football team no of course not last year Uh, I don't know if they were 4-12-1 with historical losses down the stretch Bad. Um, I think that sentiment from David, mentioned Jeffrey, I think that's pretty overwhelming from the fan base. I have not heard a, not even a vocal minority about, you know, hiring Jeff Saturday, doing it permanently. Honestly, the only people that I hear that want Jeff Saturday hired is because they want the Colts to tank again and draft Caleb Williams.
2: Well, there are those that think they're going to tank for like three years and take Arch Manning, right? Yeah, right here. Just got tax I'm on the side of tanking for another year, getting our long-term QB. Keep Saturday if you want. Even then, there's no guarantee, right?
3: No, I mean, obviously the whole tanking thing in the NFL, all it takes is it's pretty one, hard to do, right? One team. Um, You know, if you look at a D'Amico Ryan's uh, situation here, how about this? San Francisco makes a run to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. They stick with Brock Purdy. That means Trey Lance is available. Demico Ryan's makes a hire from Kyle Shanahan's offensive staff as his OC brings Trey Lance with him. D'Amico Ryan's your head coach.
2: I mean, that's going deep. Do you like it? I don't know enough about Trey Lance. Does anybody? I mean, he you know he was obviously highly thought of coming out of college,
3: highly thought of by Kyle Shanahan, which I think is noteworthy. I mean, they they looked at Jimmy Garoppolo and said we can't win at the highest level. We need to go make a move at quarterback. They traded up, number three overall pick. But to your point, you're right. We don't know a lot about him. Uh, he didn't have his final year at North Dakota State because of the COVID year. And then he's played, what, three games in the NFL? Four games in the NFL? Okay.
2: In yeah, I mean, sure, the tools might be there. But how old is Trey Lance now?
3: Uh, third year right in the league. So, boy, can't be more than So you're
2: closer to a, 22, a second contract. He turns 23 in May. Wow, that's young. But you're closer to having to pay him a decent amount of money. I mean, what's the difference between that and C.J. Stroud? Three games of experience?
3: Is a C.J. Stroud, is he Dak Prescott?
2: No, I think he's a better long passer than that. Don't you? C.J. Stroud's biggest problem... Kevin. I watched Prescott
3: last night and honestly felt a lot of like Stroud vibes from that semifinal game. A guy it's like, does he use his legs? Does he not use it enough? I thought Prescott was so that's, tremendous. That's last the night.
2: thing about CJ Stroud is I think that CJ Stroud has Daniel Jones type skill in him of like rollouts and designed run plays. I mean, he's a great athlete and he can run the ball. I think if you talk to Ohio State fans, if there are Ohio State fans listening to my voice right now, First off, I thank you because I've been very vociferous about my um, – I respect Ohio State, but I don't like Ohio State. Um, which you, did, is, you did like them the, this year. I thought for sure they were going to win it all. And it's weird to me to think, like, I, I don't like Ohio State fans, but then I think, but wait a minute, I'm a Reds fan, which means that I'm a mutual fan with all of them for half of the year, <laughs> right? Now, all of that said, if you are an Ohio State fan and you are listening to my voice right now – If you're Crispy or you're Brian from the shop, you are nodding your head, I guarantee you, when I say that the thing that most frustrated you was C.J. Stroud's inability at times to have the desire to simply tuck the ball and run and slide for an eight-yard first down as opposed to hanging in the pocket too long to try to beat teams with his arm. He has the ability to chip away at defenses with his legs and yet did not and there's a very fine line. Yeah, right? and I thought Dak
3: did that last night. A- yeah. And and that's why I kind of bring it up. You know, Dak made some plays outside of the pocket. Um I thought he was tremendous last night in Dallas, absolutely dominating Tampa Bay. On the CJ Stroud front again, as we signed off yesterday, he had still not declared for the draft. He ended up declaring it felt like right after our show ended. And even if obviously he's been a popular name mentioned for the Colts, Even if the Colts don't select him or don't have this immense amount of interest in him, it provides another quarterback, theoretically, in the top five-ish of the draft. It lessens the asking price for number 1 overall, and it puts a quarterback-needy team and kind of slots a quarterback in for that team. So I think this is, for the team, for the people out there that are Colts draft QB in April... This is very good news on multiple levels that CJ Stroud has entered the draft. I mean, you saw Mark's reaction yesterday when it was brought up that CJ Stroud might return to Ohio State. He was all for it because he's sitting there as a Bears fan saying, "I want as few of quarterback, you know, quality quarterback candidates yeah. as possible for you number want one overall." To to panic, right? You and want you want teams viewing this class as one QB and right. no one else. So it is good news. I think for the Colts, for other quarterback needy teams, not great news for Kevin, Chicago. I, I on that think front.
2: that you, I think you raised an interesting point yesterday about Chris Ballard and the way that he looks at players. There are basically three quarterbacks that I think are going to be mentioned in that top five bracket, and it's young. CJ Stroud and Will Levis of Kentucky. And I could see the Colts being most enamored of those three by Will Levis because he has the high, Bryce Young has the most hardware. CJ Stroud, I think, has the most sexiness. And Will Levis has the most intrigue, but he has intangibles about him that Josh Allen's going to make him a lot of money because he's a guy that, I've said this before, if you look at Josh Allen when he was at Wyoming, in his senior year, people were like, well, his numbers weren't great. I mean, why did he have this drop-off between his junior and senior year? Well, the, the personnel around him changed. Well, he has consistency throwing the balls. He has consistency issues. And it was, well, that's probably true, but his accuracy and his consistency is something that through practice one would assume he can work on. His The strength of his arm, his ability to throw across his body, his ability to improvise with his legs and run the football. There were certain, certain things about Josh Allen that, quite frankly, you could not teach. And the one thing that he was missing was something that practice and repetition theoretically could erase, and it did. And I think also people looked at, well, wait a minute, we got to look at his junior year, not his senior year, because of who he was throwing to. And in Levis's case, I think that the intangibles in terms of those things that you cannot coach or teach, his size, his – his arm strength, those are things that I think are going to really intrigue Chris Ballard, perhaps even more so than the other two, who are fine players, do not get me wrong. But I think that there is more there there it feels like there is still more untapped open space with Will Levis.
3: Yeah, my um my biggest question for Chris Ballard in this is do the values that he holds for every other position in the draft, do they also apply to quarterback? Because the values he holds at all those other positions, it's all about traits. It's all about kind of the physical makeup, the testing numbers. And I know a lot of people turn their head at that. But look at Bowers' drafting history. That is exactly how he has operated at virtually every position on both sides of the ball. And if you're going to compare these three quarterbacks and you would place them into three linebackers or three defensive backs... Levis would be the one from a trait standpoint that I think Ballard would have some serious intrigue by. But again, if it's quarterback, maybe quarterback he has a totally different grading scale or evaluation process. We just don't know because outside of Jacob Eason, he hasn't taken a quarterback in the first 100 selections and I think Frank Reich had you know, obviously a lot of influence on how they looked at QBs in the past. So I think it's a point that is worth making of Do the same sort of evaluation pieces that Ballard has in the draft? Does it apply to quarterback? And I think it's worth pointing out about Levis. You get every indication. I think Dane Brugler mentioned this to us when uh, he was on with us a few weeks back. Will Levis is well-liked at Kentucky. Seems to be very coachable. Seems to check a leadership element. He had three different offense coordinators in three years. He lost a lot of personnel around him in that final season. Will Levis seems to be the pick, Jake. That either someone's going to look like a genius or someone's going to get fired. He,
2: okay, six four two thirty, right? And Bryce Young's what five eleven, wearing shocks. Will Levis claims he can throw the ball eighty yards in the air.
3: <laughs> oh boy, nothing now, says draft bust like that.
2: Well, didn't Jamarcus Russell do that from his knees? Let me tell you a story of a guy working out for the Colts that threw the ball eighty yards in the air. Not Matt Ryan. There was a player who did a private workout for the Colts. Was on the radar. Did a private workout. Bedazzled everybody. At the end of the workout. Goes, changes. Comes out. And has on his letter jacket. From his college football leather. You know, the the letter jackets. With like a t-shirt under it. And a couple of scouts and personnel, GMs, etc., had kind of hung around and were talking. And he walks out and they said, all right, you got to settle a bet. Okay. Can you throw the ball 80 yards in the air? And the prospect says, well, across my body or straight back? They said, come on. So he grabs a football with his letter jacket on, rolls to his right, stops, throws across his body, throws the ball, lands on the 20-yard line at the opposite end, 80 yards. At that point, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts goes up to the player and says, we're going to make you the number one pick in the draft. And Jim Irsay then traded Chris Henton, Andre Risen, and picks for the number one pick in the draft and took Jeff George, partially based on that 80-yard throw. That absolutely enamored Jim Irsay, enamored him. I think one thing to keep in mind
3: on that note, Jake, is you think of Chris Bauard's history. Again, he was part of kind of the early evaluation of Patrick Mahomes. He was still with Kansas City when they started to look into that. Look at that draft. Trubisky went what? Two overall? Two, yep. Sorry, Mark. It's okay. Deshaun Watson went, was it 12? And that Mahomes went 10? 10? So you kind of had three quarterbacks that went in the top half of that first draft. And Mahomes
2: round. was a late riser, you remember? He it, was the first guy, Kevin, that I heard the term arm talent. And again, that's what I'm getting at.
3: Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson. I know Trubisky didn't play a whole lot at North Carolina. Obviously, Watson played a ton at Clemson. The thought was Mahomes had the most raw ability of those three. Now again, Ballard left Kansas City in January, three months before that draft. Came here to Indianapolis. Kansas City then traded up three months later. But if you're going off that, again, that was the raw ability pick that Kansas City made. Certainly, Kansas City was in a position where they still had Alex Smith. They could be a little bit more patient. They could trust their development within their organization. Do do the Colts feel like they're in the same situation? Just all things to keep in mind. Nate Atkinson, the Star, is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Let's get to uh, Terry. I think you want to get back into the head coaching conversation. Morning, Terry.
0: Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, boys. Hey, I want to thank God for just Saturday. And you know why? Because when it came time that Frank had to go, you all knew that Frank had to go. You were, you were saying it. Frank has to go. We're terrible. And indeed we were. There's no way we could limp into any sort of playoff with hopes with that offensive line. So what we needed to do is bring a coach in that would steer this plane safely into the ground and get us a number four pick, and that's exactly what he did.
3: Did okay. you say into the ground or to to the ground? Because I think it went into the ground, honestly. Whatever. We got the number <laughs> four pick. Kevin. be happy, be joyous, be uplifting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's an interesting point that Terry brings up, Jake. You know, will we look back on this season and say this is the best thing that could have happened to the Colts in a decade?
2: Depends on what they do with it. They had
3: to hit rock bottom in order to admit that they needed to make substantial changes. And again,
2: what if... And I'm not saying this is the case, okay? I'm playing devil's advocate. What if Jeff Saturday was actually asked to basically do that? Look, we got to rebuild here. This thing ain't working. We got old quarterbacks that we can't win with. So, Jeff, just simply do an inventory and get us in position to rebuild this thing. You're going to be the guy that falls on the sword. Yeah, that's giving Jim Irsay too much credit. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, you know.
3: I think every move that Irsay was involved with throughout the season was the thought that we can still win now. Chuck Pagano going to join us in about an hour. Let's hit a morning check out
2: the Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with the association last night, or actually technically yesterday for Dr. Martin Luther King Day in Milwaukee. T.J. McConnell, sensational first half. He had 25. Pacers got out to a lead, but in the fourth quarter. Bucks outscore him by 18. Milwaukee wins 132 to 119 pacers now 23 and 22 they have so that means that they have 37 games left to go uh eight and 23 seven 29
3: i mean just got to get to 30 okay
2: uh in order for kevin to cash in at oklahoma city will be the first chance to get one of those seven that is wednesday night that's tomorrow night eight o'clock tip in oklahoma
3: 42 combined made threes in that game 19 by indiana 23 for the Bucks, No Middleton, no Giannis for Milwaukee. Uh, yesterday in college basketball, certainly the highlight was in East Lansing. Purdue wins 64 63. Fletcher Lawyer uh, with an unbelievable pass to Zach Eady on the final play. What ended up being the final play of the game for the Boilermakers. Eady turns, lays it in. 32 points, 17 rebounds in 36 minutes for Zach Eady. He is the National Player of the Year. Favorite. There is zero debating that. And again, lawyer, a road game in the Big Ten where his brother used to play. Hearing it from the Michigan State student section, an incredible performance by him. Here was Matt Painter afterwards on that final play.
1: Yeah, just something we we run we ran through the years, just something simple. You know, you're in a tough spot for ten seconds. Michigan State did a good job. If you can go really fast in that and try to get a shot, you'd, you'd like to be able to to still be in the game, right? If you have to foul at that point, you know, it's at three, four, five, six seconds. Um, they came up to get us, so that wasn't going to be the case. And so we were going to go to him, obviously. They've stayed one-on-one, and they're very physical with him and just made it hard. Um, but it's, you know, for us, it's really not a decision. If you're going to allow him to get it, then we're going we're to go to
2: him. College basketball polls released yesterday, top four unchanged, Houston, Kansas, Purdue, and Alabama in both the AP and the coaches poll. UCLA is fifth in both now after Tennessee dropped down just a little bit from their loss to Kentucky, dropping out of the top 25, Wisconsin, who was beaten by Indiana. Uh, Mark, give me a number one through 25, please. 12. Coaches or media poll? media okay uh, 12th ranked Iowa State Cyclones coaches uh, Kevin coaches okay 12th, well, I'm gonna f- uh, also Iowa State
3: I'm going to forego the number and just have you give me the other Big Ten team that's in the rankings because I think there's only one besides Purdue uh,
2: that is an excellent point that team by the way depends on which poll you're going with in the, co- in the media poll Rutgers is 23rd in the coaches poll it is Illinois that is 23rd uh, one of the number give me a number for me then Kevin Uh, 19 number 19 thank you very much Clemson and the coaches poll and number 19 is Clemson in the AP poll. as well. What
3: time are you guys coming over for the uh, Irish? Burnell. What time are you guys coming over for the Irish tonight? Uh, what time's game? 7 o'clock. Uh, I'll
4: Can I wear my Seminoles gear? That seems a bit rude. Do you have a wager
2: with Taylor Tannenbaum? Uh Friendly bet, we do. Yes, if friendly there. bet. On that front,
3: Hinkle tonight. It's the annual forty uh, Project 44 game honoring the legacy of Andrew Smith, driving awareness. Can that not be
2: a gentleman's bet since Taylor is female? Is that why it's a friendly bet? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, friendly bet uh, on that front. Uh, Driving
3: awareness of the National Bone Marrow Registry. So Butler hosting Creighton tonight
2: up at Hinkle. Uh, Also, by the way, Ball State, 7 o'clock hosting Western Michigan. Uh, Did you see that Michael Lewis, for the students, for for the first 400 to get in, he's buying them, what, a Coke, popcorn, and I think even an adult beverage.
3: I I was hoping for a gift card to the Chug. (laughs) <laughs> Throw that in there. Chirp, chirp, do string
2: it at 12 and 5.
3: Uh last night we rounded out the wild card round of the playoffs. Should say we rounded out the eight teams now left in the divisional round of the playoffs. It will be the Dallas Cowboys, 31-14, absolutely dominant over the Buccaneers. Tom Brady looked old. Dak Prescott looked really good, and Brett Maher should be lucky that he still has a job at I Tuesday. Don't have patience. Jack with you today. 25
4: a.m., four missed extra points. He was missing them both ways, wasn't he? Was that the first time someone's missed, like, four extra points in the game? You
3: know, obviously, we moved it back a few years ago, so I believe that was the first time in NFL history that has been done. Honestly, the loudest cheer of the night, and it, the game was in Tampa, was when he made the fifth one.
4: Mm-hmm. I think it was all just, thank the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> For that <laughs> I mean, guy. You felt bad, right? I, I thought he was hurt. I, I mean, if the Bucks could have actually done anything offensively, that those misses, misses could have probably cost them. But because they, uh, Tampa couldn't do anything, well, it you became, didn't hurt them. You know where those misses cost, people? Yeah, yeah the over, I saw. The
3: over-under oh, was 45-and-a-half. Yeah. The final score, 31-14. to 14. Mm-hmm.
2: Brett Maher throwing the game a little bit there. You know, I'm sure this was a theme for a lot of people. On my high school group text, Casey Lewis, with by the third kick, was like, "I can't even watch. I'm so nervous for him." I mean, it became like I—I I think the ratings probably went up when Dallas would score because people are like, "You yeah. got to turn over and see if this guy hits one, right?" Yeah, they—they um,
3: they definitely rose. Uh, Maher first year with Dallas, but Jerry Jones said afterwards that they will not be bringing in any kickers here locally. Jake, should we have rooting interest for Dallas? T.Y. Hilton, Zach Martin. Malik Hooker? Yeah. Matt Overton? Xavier Rhodes? Matt Overton's still there? Snapping. him, right? I hope the, the snaps were good yeah, last I night.
2: I was it wasn't Matt Overton, was it? I mean, Peyton. Maher's reactions were, this is all me. Peyton Manning was so beside himself. Oh, he was, it was hilarious. <laughs> Can you cut a guy at halftime? That's what he actually said. So the divisional round games coming up on Eli, Saturday. I said I've never been more nervous for an extra point in my life. I, I was starting to sweat for him.
3: Uh, we've got a couple touchdown favorites. Those would be the one seeds. Kansas City hosting Jacksonville at 4:30. Philly hosting the Giants at 8:15. Sunday closer spreads right around four points for each of them. That would be Buffalo hosting Cincinnati and the 49ers hosting the cowboys all right we come back nate atkins from the star getting the coaching candidate list three names added to it yesterday for the colts i think a couple of them are pretty intriguing we'll talk more about that next
5: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: So Jake, the final four in the NFC, three of the four teams from the NFC East, uh, first time in NFL history, you've had three of the final four from one division.
2: Really? It's like the 85 Final Four.
3: Yeah, DM mentions this as well. Peyton Hendershot. I, Peyton Hendershot. I forgot about that. And he's from Tri-West.
2: Played well for them,
3: right? Yeah, he scored a couple touchdowns yeah. this season. So, yeah, a lot of local connections with the Cowboys. Let's get back into the Colts head coaching search. We'll do that next. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts alongside Joel Erickson on a daily basis, joins us. Now, Nate, let's start with probably the big news from yesterday, and that would be Jim Harbaugh, um, I guess, saying that he's returning to Michigan. We never really heard Harbaugh's name pop up here uh, like it did in Denver and Carolina. What did you make yesterday of the Harbaugh news in relation to Indy Search?
0: Yeah, it was interesting because I felt like we went a while there kind of wondering where Jim Harbaugh... Was with everything with Michigan with the Broncos with any other openings? You know, he's a guy whose season ended uh, just at the start of the month when Michigan got beat by TCU. But it's it's always been hard to read because he, he you know he kind of he curves his own path all the time. Uh, so I I always have seen him as a guy that. Uh, that the Colts would be very interested in, but he operates on his own timeline. And yesterday was just another example of that, where, you know, he's obviously been having some conversations with people at Michigan. There's, there was incentive for him to, to try and stay there coming off of uh, two straight playoff appearances and uh, two two wins over Ohio State and feeling like you know, the one thing he hasn't done there yet is uh, win a national title or, or get to the national title game, but they're right on the doorstep. So, all the leverage is on his side to look across the league and and figure out, like, is this the time to to make a jump or do I just wait? Do I not like these openings? Do I not like the timing? Or do I think I can get more money or or whatever else he wants at Michigan? He's kind of got that program wrapped around his finger. So it seems like he used the process to get there. I know Denver had talked to him Uh, Carolina talked to him briefly, but I think he was, you know, he's at a spot where if he's going to, if he's going to make that move, if he's going to kind of do that to his alma mater, I think he wanted the right team to be all in for him. And it just didn't work out this season with uh, the Broncos. Uh, They're they're still zeroed in on Sean Payton heavily. And then um, I I have a feeling that he didn't look at the other options, the other openings quite as, you know, quite as highly as he did Denver. So he just decided to wait it out.
2: Nate, I want you to tell me why this is the wrong thought process. When I read Jim Harbaugh's statement, which we read earlier here on the air, uh, to me, it did not in any way, shape, or form definitively close any doors. And when I consider the way Jim Irsay at the 11th hour out of completely left field reached out to Jeff Saturday... I don't rule out the possibility that still that overture is made and I think Jim Harbaugh is a guy whose mind can easily be swayed with the right amount of money which I think Jim Mersey would be willing to pay. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I'd say not only the amount of money but the amount of power. That's kind of what has driven things for Harbaugh uh, for a while now and so and in his mind, you know, in some ways money is power in respect but uh, he is a little unpredictable in that way, and that he's he's always kind of he's always done his own version. You know, he's cut his own path, and so until Michigan actually comes out with a contract that has you know that has a buyout in it that's going to prevent him from actually leaving, I feel like this dance is always going to be kind of there every offseason, even even moments like now where you know there's these indications and hints that he's back, but there's never this sort of uh, you know this this firm line in the sand there. And so, yeah, I think it is a possibility. I still think, though, for them to, you know, he knew this job was coming open for a while now, and he knew that, you know, all that other stuff, all the reasons why you'd think Harbaugh would be a candidate here, those have been in play for half a season now. So they they would have to really make up a lot of ground in terms of, you know, making this an attractive place for him in terms of money, power, uh, a path forward, uh you know, there's a lot that they would have to do, so I don't rule it out either. But I do think, though, that if if they if they had a real good shot, you know, we wouldn't still still be at this point when he's he's so actively out there making it sound like he's going to come back to Michigan when this job has been a possibility from the
1: jump.
3: Kenny's okay, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star covers the Colts, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, if you look at the Colts list right now, put Jeff Sare to the side. You've got ten. Uh, candidates that have been interviewed, one internally that would be Bubba Ventrone, nine externally, they're they are all coordinators in the NFL, one as head coach and experience, that would be Raheem Morris. You've got five on defense, four on offense, and as we mentioned, Ventrone is a special teams guy. If I said give me two that stand out to you of those ten, where does your mind go?
0: Yeah, it's a super interesting list, and uh, for me, I guess the the couple I'm intrigued by, uh, Raheem Morris is, is super interesting to me. Is always kind of has been, you know. I think he got written off very quickly in his career as a guy who, you know, was a better fit as a coordinator because he got to the Bucks and it, it didn't really work out there. But if you look back on that, he got that job and he was 32 years old. He had Josh Freeman as his quarterback, a franchise that really didn't win anything after uh, after that between really between those two Super Bowls so they got Tom Brady and I just don't think he was ready to show what he could be as a head coach and honestly I look at situations like that kind of more as a positive in the long run if they learn from it and they grow from it and they're better the second time around you know they've been coaches like Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick who weren't that good in their first stints and then obviously uh, became much different what's interesting to me about Raheem Morris is just he's kind of done every element of this he's been a defense coordinator He's uh, he's been an offensive coach. He's worked in the passing game as a pass game specialist with the Falcons, and now he's an associate head coach or assistant head coach of the Rams. Won two Super Bowls, and he's the one that I think might have a chance if he came here of keeping the defensive staff because he he worked with Gus Bradley uh, in uh, in Tampa Bay and worked with uh, you know linebackers coach Richard Smith in in Atlanta, and you know that's. Yeah, I, I imagine that would at least be on the table, whereas it, it's harder to, to kind of see that path forward with a lot of these other guys who probably want to find their own way. So he's really interesting kind of on a on a little bit more of a leadership level, just the fact that he he knows so many of these different areas. And I think he could build a really intriguing staff, which is obviously going to be very important. And they may have to replace a lot of them, probably almost all of them on offense, I would imagine. Uh, so, so he intrigues me in that sense. And then... A lot of those offensive guys are are interesting, just in you know just just in what they can bring as a designer of an offense, and guys who can kind of build this from the ground floor with a rookie quarterback. And I think guy that that I've been thinking about more the past couple of days is, is Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator, because he kind of came out of nowhere uh, just this past season, but it was such a strong year where the Lions were top five in points and yards, and you know they Jared Goff's their quarterback, so they were very much able to manage what they had and wasn't really carried by, uh, by just a, just a quarterback. And I think about like, you look at CJ Stroud, who, you know, just decided yesterday to enter the draft. Uh, I, I would, I would think he's got to be very high on the Colts list in terms of he's just, he just seems to me like more of the type of quarterback Chris Ballard would go for than a Bryce young. But if you're going to, you know, if you're going to go down that route with CJ Stroud, what's really important is getting him, uh, protected and really, um, you know, kind of getting him multiple different weapons to operate with is kind of as close as you can get to the settings he had at Ohio State, knowing that, of course, you'll never have that talent advantage. Uh, Ben Johnson just did a really remarkable job in in Detroit because he had that offensive line structure. That's what Chris Ballard is going to be all about. Of course, we know it didn't work this past year. The offensive line did not live up anywhere close to the expectation. But if you're going to keep Chris Ballard as they are, and move forward with that. I think you're doing it under the mindset of, you know, he's going to continue to build through the offensive line. He made that promise again to us uh, when he talked last week. He's going to have to rebuild it. The idea is that that's where his resources and energy is going to be. So can you get someone who's shown that if you can get him an offensive line, can they really do some special things with the uh, with the run game receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends? And I think Ben Johnson's got a great, uh, got a great intrigue on that level, even though he's very young. Uh, But but it could be a decent fit.
2: Nate Atkins is our guest. He's on the Payless Lakers Hotline. He's a Colts beat writer for the Indianapolis Star. Nate, you had a column a little uh, under a week ago. Insider, in a results-based business, Jeff, Saturday's results don't seem to matter. My question for you is this. Is it possible that in the permanent head coaching search, assuming that Jeff Saturday is interviewed, that the parameters, or the expectation, or the requests from uh, about him and what they want to see from him, are different than what was placed before him as an interim coach.
0: Yeah, I think everything here is uh, for this season. Is they're they're just kind of seeing surprising things play out and then deciding what they feel about them. So obviously, they came into the year. Uh, with very high expectations and when especially for an offense you know they, they really thought that they you know they had it with Matt Ryan adding that passing game element to Jonathan Taylor when it didn't work you know, they reacted very strongly uh, from the top down from Jim Mercsey down first making the quarterback change to the head coaching change and certainly there's been a shift in the expectations kind of constantly because when Jeff Saturday first got here you know Chris Ballard said we're not throwing in the towel uh Jim talks talked about how he had to do this to keep uh, the team from cascading toward a collapse. Jeff Saturday said, I'm here to be judged on wins and losses. I'm all about W's and L's. And it's a very different conversation than they're having now that, you know, they they won the first game, but then they lost seven in a row. And certainly some of the levels they they fell to with the minus 87 point differential and uh, biggest collapse in NFL history and all of that. They're, they're kind of taking it now more into the context of, well, this was kind of crazy and And unprecedented to bring a guy in from the outside, give him someone else's staff, ask him to win over that staff when they're down a little bit in numbers, and fix an offense that was already broken, and try to win that way. Uh, It's you can kind of see where they where they arrive at some of these conclusions. The process has been very confusing because, like I said, they keep the the tone keeps changing. If if Saturday had gotten here and they had said, you know what, this year's broken. Jeff's here to just kind of you know kind of learn on the job and audition within uh, this framework of a team that, that really is in a bad spot, because that's what happens when you, when you fire a coach, we would be looking a little bit differently. And, and uh, the results, you know, you could, you could buy their thinking a little bit more, but um, the, but one of the things that stood out to me that night was, you know, Jim mercy said, it's not the night that they fired Frank Reich and brought Jeff. in. he said, it's not just about the losing. It's how you lose. And he was really bothered by how uncompetitive <laughs> they were in new England. And now he's he's trying to buy into or, or accept a coach who, who had a lot of those results himself, or you know blowout losses to uh, the Chargers and the and the Giants and, uh, and the and the Cowboys, and so uh, it's it's been hard to read exactly how they, you know where they're at with this with this in terms of like justifying it. Uh, but obviously, it's never been traditional. They they brought in someone from the outside. They they didn't. Uh, they didn't look at resumes and experience levels. That that was never the deciding factor for them, for him to get the job. So uh, it's not that shocking that now that we're here, they're not going to look at it the way that other teams would, where one and seven is kind of the ultimate uh, deciding factor for them. They're gonna they're gonna kind of take their own path to figuring out whether they like this or not.
3: Kenny's Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Him and Joel A. Erickson on the daily beat over there covering the Colts. They do a tremendous job. Joel, I er, Joel Nate, I um probably as soon as I say this, I'm just jinxing myself, but I'm almost expecting kind of a quiet rest of the week for the Colts on the head coaching front. Uh, and feel free to correct me if if you feel this different. Uh, but when you think about it, you know, three new candidates reported interview requests. Both the Giants guys, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale have said, they're not going to interview this week with their game on Saturday. Doesn't sound like D'Amico Ryans will have time to fit the Colts in this week on his interview schedule. So unless we get like a, you know, Chris Ballard, Matt Rule interview from 2018. Uh, Are you under the impression that, you know, again maybe a Dallas coordinator, maybe Leslie Frazier, but from an interview standpoint it sounds like it could be a quiet week unless we get like a second interview from guys from last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this cold season has taught us that we can't ever be <laughs> fully sure on anything that's going to happen or not happen. So, with that caveat in mind, I do agree with you, though. I I thought the only way that this would move super quickly was that if they had to get in some kind of bidding war for Jim Harbaugh, um, where they just felt like they had to move now, get their ducks in a row, and not and not let this play out. Um, of course, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't interviewed with them. Uh, at least he hasn't really talked to them that we know of. And then you know, he comes out and says he's staying there. I. If that if that goes anywhere else, I, I don't think it will happen anytime soon. I think kind of what Jake was saying; it would it would take something at the eleventh hour. So, with that in mind, I do think they're going to let this play out. They have built a really long candidate list, and it just seems to keep growing. You know, it added it, it, it felt like a whole added a whole round of candidates. Uh, after the wild card round, and I think it could continue to go that way. Some of the guys you mentioned, uh, Leslie Frazier, uh, Kellen Moore from the Bron- from the Cowboys, is another guy that that maybe he could end up popping up. Uh, so I, I think the plan here is Chris Ballard knows that this is he knows what's at stake here, and he's trying to do this differently than he's done it before. You know, when they, they settled on Josh McDaniels and waited forever and didn't work out, and then he decided, then he kind of learned. Uh, blessing in disguise of that of landing Frank Reich because he hadn't looked at him enough in the beginning because he was you know kind of busy working with the Eagles in the playoffs at the time and he just moved forward with with what he thought he wanted then so they're talking to all kinds of guys and so many different um so many different ends of of working in the NFL what's interesting is we haven't really heard of any college coaches uh that are that are up for this Chris Bowles said he was open to it uh but um, you know, outside of Jim Harbaugh, maybe that being an intrigue, that hasn't popped up yet, so I, I don't rule anything out as far as new guys entering the picture, uh, you know, a lot of these guys they have on the list, I expect to be on there, but some of them, I didn't know that they'd be into a guy like Wink Martindale, um, I didn't know that Aaron Glenn necessarily would be on their list either, so there's just there's guys that they end up liking or they, they maybe come across that they're, they're just trying to be as open-minded to as possible, get an interview with them, let them make their case, see if there's a match, see if there's potential and you know and then they have to understand too that like they're not the only team trying to hire these guys like Ben Johnson's a name that you hear a lot about with the Carolina Panthers Um, so they're gonna be in this it's kind of an interesting spot here where you know if there is a guy they really like they might you know they might risk losing him by dragging the process out at the same time though I think the whole experience of Josh McDaniels kind of taught Chris Ballard that, that sometimes certain things are meant to be and sometimes it can work out anyway, uh, and, and I think he he's always kind of shown, you know, he wants to err on the side of patience with big, big decisions, and I don't think this one will be any different. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one extends into February, especially when you consider that, you know, just Saturday, the in-house candidate, other than Bubba Venture, i like, just Saturday's on your staff, he's in your building, and that we know of, he's not getting interview requests from anywhere else. So it kind of sets them up to, if they're, they're still intrigued by that possibility, you know, they, they don't feel like they have to rush it, even if, obviously, some fans and other people on the outside may get a little bit more impatient.
3: Again, Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. Going to be a busy man the rest of this month. Likely into February as well. Nate, thanks for the time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Nate Atkins right there um, from the Star. Again, Jake, I think it'll be a quietish week. I guess Jeff Saturday could have his official interview this week. I mean, that could be something that you do, but... Um, you know, A lot of these teams now preparing on short weeks for their divisional game. So if you're going to interview them for a first time, uh, that complicates some things. Maybe you get to some second interviews with some of these candidates. Maybe there's a, college, a random college candidate. The the name that I know Bauer loves from college, financially, doesn't really check the box though, uh, is, is Luke Fickle. Loves him. I thought if Fickle was still at Cincinnati, he would be a candidate. But I'd assume financially that is
2: quite the burden. And I, there's no way Fickle's going to leave after just making that move, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, move to um, Wisconsin on that front. By the way, one programming note. We will move up the pop quiz a little bit because Chuck Pagano is going to talk to us about exactly what goes into you know, these interviews and just the process of going through it. That's going to happen uh, at about 9.40. And so as a result of that, we're going to do the pop quiz coming up 30 minutes from now at about 9.20. So move things up just a little bit. And again, Chuck Pagano going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour, about 9.40. uh, Just kind of, Kevin, I think get an overview, right? Like I've never, I've always, what do these interviews look like? You know, what do they ask you? What are you looking for?
3: And you know, he had a very chaotic process in that Baltimore lost a heartbreaker in New England on a missed field goal to go to the Super Bowl. He said this, he wasn't even thinking he was a candidate. Boom. Next thing you know, he's the head coach of the Colts and... 72 hours. So, uh, we'll talk Chuck about that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. The postseason at any sport, and in this case the NFL, and say, all right, that is an indicator of what wins in today's league. Who are the last ones standing? What are their traits? What are the common themes throughout those teams? And that's a big indicator of what's needed in today's NFL. Of the final eight, seven of them have a head coach with an offensive background. Yep. Yep. You go back to last year of the final eight, six of the eight offensive background. Sean McDermott being the one outlier in both of those years with Buffalo and then Mike Vrabel with Tennessee last season. So I, I don't think that's a surprise to many, but if you look at the Colts head coaching list so far, 10 candidates, five defensive background, four offense, one special team's
2: Does that hire need to come from the offense? And of the eight, one, two, correct, or pardon me for counting out loud here, um, three, I believe four of them, so 50%. With your math knowledge, we're seeing how the sausage is being made, and we don't always get to see that. Uh, I believe four of the eight, I'd have to look more specifically at resumes, but I believe this is correct. So half. Half. This was their first head coaching opportunity.
3: So the four with experience would be Mike McCarthy,
2: Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, um, Mike McCarthy, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid. Who would be the fourth here?
3: Did we think interim for Shanahan or McDermott at some point?
2: Shanahan, yeah, Shanahan. What, was most, he ever an in interim? No, but wasn't Shanahan in... Was Raheem he,
3: Morris was the interim actually in Atlanta? Wasn't Shanahan a head coach before San Fran? I thought he came from was was Washington? He not, was he Atlanta. not the head
2: coach in Washington at one point for a year? I, I, I might or God. or in Atlanta. I, I'm certain he was a head coach. You before. know the Washington
3: coach that I'm thinking of that's popping in my brain is Gruden, Jay Gruden.
2: Uh, you're right. He was only okay. So San So five. I guess because five first timers, yeah,
3: and obviously Mike McCarthy, Doug Peterson. The thought there was, we need, you know, we 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 really need to change the culture and get to that sort of coach. Andy Reid has been there forever. And Mark
2: was convinced that uh, last night was Mike McCarthy's last game, right? If they
4: would have lost, yeah, yeah, he was dancing in the locker room post game. He He was. was.
3: I did not see Brett Maher, the kicker, dancing in the locker room post game. He was probably out on Raymond James Stadium still practicing kicks. Yeah. Uh, Bad news. Outdoors for him next week again in San Francisco, if he indeed is the kicker. Coming up next week, Chuck Pagano in the 9 o'clock hour.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: 9 o'clock, Chuck Pagano going to join us coming up 9.40. We'll do the pop quiz in about 20 minutes. Uh, Kevin, we haven't talked much about it, And, you know, I realize that they're kind of on a skid here. And last night, or yesterday afternoon uh was left a little to be desired t.j mcconnell was outstanding for a half for the pacers but uh, this four game pister. skid I, I know it's not great for your son's college account and certainly the funding for our pbr party but um how big a concern is it to you without tyrese halliburton this four game skid
3: yeah it's of little concern to me jake because i can remind myself where we were in october and november Of There is a bigger picture here that, yes, this season has brought a lot of joy. And that's great. And I don't want to diminish how enjoyable it has been to watch this team, the wins, the growth, all of that. But this was not a season to where we would lose sleep at night if the Pacers got in as a six seed and lost four to one in the first round of the playoffs. And that's where the season was trending until Halliburton went down or when he went down, I should say. You know, last week, they were they were the 7th seed, I think, technically, when he got hurt. So, um, you know, I said this to open up the show, Jake, and it's kind of a weird feeling that, and again, it's a credit to the Pacers that they've created this. If you were in the mode of, I want to see the Pacers tank and have a lottery pick, yesterday's result would have checked a enjoyable, entertaining box for you of like, oh yeah, that was a fun game, high-scoring game, kind of back and forth. And they still lost. So they right. improved their their draft standing. And again, I know that's kind of a loser mentality. And I get when they start the season at 23-19 and 19 and all this success and it's the first um, you know, four-game losing streak of the year that there's probably a mixed emotion from Pacers fans with that. But I think I can sit back and realize that if this season starts to tailspin, it's not the end of the world. I, I you are it, still a major totally. piece away from getting to the level that I think you should strive for.
2: I, I think it's fascinating how the narrative has changed based on their early. You, you know, to your point, I mean, what were we saying the first fifteen games of the year? I've said perfect before, loss, perfect loss,
3: right. right? I mean, I had people in the organization literally say, "You really think we're going to win over thirty games?" Like that was not a thought in the in their building at correct. all. I that's mean, they 100% were correct. They were not thinking that whatsoever. Um, and again, it's a credit to them, Jake, for now creating this feeling inside of so many people of like, hey, what the Pacers lost last night, and that's four in a row. Like we're not used to that. Um, so great work by you know Rick Carlisle for. Um, you get creating that, but to me, it's not the end of the world. Where I have bigger questions is now how they are going to react to this. You know, Three weeks from Thursday is the trade deadline. If you continue to tailspin, and again, three more on the road this week, and you continue to lose these games, I think right now, if I'm looking at it, I want to say you're like two or two and a half games up on falling totally out. Of the play in right now. So you're still in a decent position to get into the play in with, you know, a lot of basketball still to be played this season. But, you know, let's say you lose seven of your next ten and you continue down this path, and Halliburton's absence, you know, leads into the trade deadline and maybe even leads into the all star break. What does that do for? kevin pritchard's thinking as a buyer seller trade deadline in no way shape or form do i think they should be a buyer but i'll be very interested to see how they react to that and of course if miles turner signs an extension between now and the trade deadline
2: i have gotten the impression that they are not looking to be overly aggressive now that that can change either way buyer or seller buyer more than seller but at what price you know i i think the thing that they need and i think aaron neesmith has has alleviated this a little bit a little bit but they could use the desperation here is probably not what it once was prior to Neesmith getting healthy and showing some things. They still need, though, another wing defender.
3: They need a big wing, taller wing. Correct, six eight, six nine.
2: You know, it, it is amazing when I go and and look at other teams, the number of players that you know are young players that. More often than not, they're guys that were like one and done out of Kentucky or something like that. And I think to myself, oh, like I remember that guy when he was drafted and now I see why. You know, now he's he, he's putting in good minutes, but not necessarily statistical minutes, but wing defense. You know, Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. You know, I he's... He's six nine and under two hundred pounds, but he is long. And I and I, I never thought I would use the word long. You know, I, I always laughed on draft night when they would talk about that. But I look at it and I'm like, look how much space he occupies, though, in shutting down lanes. Yeah, he gives you twelve points a game. That's great, but but there are certain things that, and there are a lot of guys like that around the NBA. That are just multi-purpose players. Pacers don't and really have anybody. Correct. That's what they could use. Yeah. Back to agree. that Swiss Army knife we were talking about.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I think you watch the Raptors a lot, and they have some of those guys. Yes. Yeah. Every time I see them play, they're pretty
2: interchangeable. Now, some teams
3: have too many of them, right? Well, Toronto <laughs> would probably being be one of them, if you look at how this season has played out. So that's, you know, and I know a lot of people made the OG and an video at the end of the game of him and Tyrese Halliburton chatting. Uh, you know, people were curious what exactly... What's happening there? Um, could they be looking for somebody and looking to, you know, maybe dump one of those guys. So again, the Pacers at the Thunder tomorrow. I I think we, we, we hear the Thunder, we think tank. The Thunder are kinda in the mix for a play in spot out west. Um, let we pull it up here. They're eleventh the, currently. They're eleventh, a
2: half game out. Three game winning streak. A uh, half game out of eight, nine, and ten. Ha- haven't the Thunder been like, cre- you know, accumulating assets and rebuilding for like four years now?
3: Yeah, they have like three first round they, picks in twenty. They actually—I
2: don't know if you know this or not. Next year's draft is going to be interesting. Uh, first nineteen picks are all Oklahoma <laughs> City, right? Of course, they
3: haven't had the number two overall pick, Chet Holmgren, at all this year with that foot injury. I also wanted to go back on, uh, and again, Chuck Pagano going to join us here in about a half hour. We'll bump up the pop quiz a little bit earlier today probably shooting for around 920 for that i i want to go back to Purdue's finish yesterday jake and just how big of a weapon matt painter is in those kind of like set piece out of timeout situations Uh, i'm sitting there in the basement yesterday and you know the final minute took i think three hours of the purdue michigan state game so my plan was, you know, hopefully Rosie can just watch a show and then we'll eventually get to the end of this now, now game. what
2: show would she be watching? Yeah, we're
3: big Daniel Tiger. Okay. Uh, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, that is. Fun neighborhood. Seems very enjoyable. Who are Daniel's neighbors? Uh, you've got Miss Katarina. Okay. Uh, music Man Stan. <laughs> okay. I enjoy him. Um, Bart, baby Margaret was just born. So that's been kind of a new phase okay. as well. So yeah, we are we are big fans of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, uh, Paw Patrol, um, yeah, Animals that Save the World, duh. Yeah, that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah, awesome.
3: awesome. So yeah, I, I enjoy who's the,
2: that. Who's the lead enforcer of the Paw Patrol?
3: Well, Chase is the that human is. being that leads them, well, but you've got I, Rubble and Zuma and Sky. And they are what? What what kind of animals? Uh, dogs. Yeah, yeah, canines
2: here. I, I would like to think that like that's if, the paw and Paw Patrol. Right. Well, I get that, but but. If they, if you were had, like if you had all the animals of the world, the hippo would have to be the one that's the enforcer, right? Nobody can, who can stop a hippo?
3: Well, not a lot of movement there to try and save the world. You know, if you have to run and jump, the hippo is more of a
2: stationary object. Au uh, oh, contraire! Hippos can run like the wind, buddy. Now, not, not great vertical, not great vertical, but they're like Vince Woolfork. They are, they are incredibly deceptive in their athleticism.
3: Fence wolf fork in the open field, not something that we thought a whole lot about there. <laughs> Peppa Pig was also a favorite, but we have kind of moved on a little bit from Peppa. Uh, nonetheless, we go downstairs. Um, Rosie plays with her kitchen set, which has been a huge hit. Thank the Lord. Uh, so I, you know, turned the Purdue game back on, and we were you, watching the end of it, and ten seconds ago in the game, they got to go the length of the floor, and their best option is a seven-four big guy. That's difficult to get the guy a quality touch. You know, when you think about like ten seconds length of floor. You think of like a guard dribbling the whole way. Also, by the way, a guy that can run faster than you would anticipate. <laughs> well, that is that is a very good point. Um, and I just thought the pass by Fletcher Lawyer. I, I I know I've harped on that a lot. So many times when you see like high level big guys, I think what kind of stymies them or makes them not as effective, the guards that have entry passes that just. Either are unwilling or don't throw a great pass. In Lawyer's case there, he whips one kind of over his shoulder right in the area to where Zach Edy can turn and make an immediate move and lay it in with a super high percentage shot at the rim. Um just I was honestly just stunned by how effective Purdue was in that moment and Lawyer a guy who made so many big shots for Purdue yesterday that pass to me was just as important as Zach Eady's layup
2: but it goes back to think about when Lawyer hit a game winner a perfect pass out of the post from Zach Eady
3: that's a great point
2: the precision in which they play is really impressive I mean, if you watch Purdue in a half court set, in a half court set, their ball movement, their ability to make the extra pass, is really impressive. And Edie, Edie's fluidity for his size is remarkable. I mean, it, it all of it really is. If you're a fan of basketball, and I get it, I know that if you're a fan of Indiana or Illinois or You know, Butler, you're not a Purdue fan. I get what rivalries mean, but if you are truly an appreciator of the game of basketball, you've got to be impressed by Purdue.
3: Oh, without a doubt. And, like, again, when they leave timeouts, Jake, I'm thinking to myself, there's a 95% chance they score in this possession. And it was interesting listening to Painter after the game describe, you know, Tom Izzo took a timeout right after the make by uh, Walker, who, boy, he had some big shots, too, from Michigan State. Um, So. Matt Painter could not advance the ball there. They had to go the length of the floor, and just just little things. I mean, two freshmen in that situation. The handoff from Braden Smith to Fletcher Lawyer, and then Lawyer throwing it right into Edie, flawless by Purdue in that moment. Uh, Mark, I, I think I misspoke there. Uh, Ryder is the human being, right? Chase
4: is on the case, correct? I don't know. I'm not. We don't. We oh, don't are watch you not pa- a? We don't watch Paw Patrol too much in wow. the house. Boy, it's it's. Boring. I know the names, but I don't know who does what. Yeah, Ryder is the human. It, it's biblical for us.
2: <laughs> okay. We're
4: usually on Disney Plus a lot. Disney so Plus. this Ryder fella,
2: is it a guy or girl? Guy, uh-huh. And so he just has a bunch of dogs and he mm-hmm. runs around. Yeah, him. he's got about seven. So there are no other animals other than dogs, which is cool with me, but seven is the number uh,
3: Isn't there like a chicken? Well, I asked Mark. I think there was a chicken. Uh, Chicoletta, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
3: And then Bluey is popular. I, I agree with that, John. Bluey's got a good... Bluey's uh, a great show. Is that Australian accent? Uh, yep. Jake, uh, would, Jake would love that. That's
2: an Australian... He, uh, what are they called? A, a blue blue Australian. Right? The dogs... There's a breed of dog that has blue in the name of the the breed, right? I don't know. The sheepdogs, I believe. Right. But um, when I was in college, my neighbor had one. His name was Nails. He was a good guy. Greg
3: Rakestroth. Mayor Goodway is the name of the, your name town of the move. dog.
2: Dale's <laughs> was the name of the dog named after Lenny Dykstra before Lenny Dykstra uh, himself became a dog. I laughed at that, Rick. Uh,
3: what, Chuck what, what did Raikstroth say? Uh, a reference to Mayor Goodway, who is also in the show. Uh, Paw Patrol probably is the most
4: popular children's show. On uh, Nickelodeon, probably, yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I hear a lot about that little, the little blue dog. Mm hmm. I hear a lot about that. Bluey is yeah, quite yeah. Good. That, yeah. That one. Bluey nice.
3: is Bluey, I think uh, involves the parental
4: entertainment value to some degree. Mm-hmm. And they're nice short episodes like 8 up epi- 8 8 minutes each, which is huge. Nice and easy. Yeah. Uh Disney on Ice by the way,
3: over Gamebridge Fieldhouse this week for those looking to can You imagine the scalp on on those tickets out there. <laughs> we got to get in there to watch them. Guy out front, tickets. Tickets. Can you buy them on StubHub? Oh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Really? Can you imagine getting a suite for that? Talk about a lot of alcohol in those suites. Pro- you're probably right, actually, right? Uh, Chuck Pagano in 20. Pop quiz coming up in a few. Let's hit a quick morning check down.
2: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, speaking of Ball State Basketball, they're in action tonight. 7 o'clock tip. Up in Muncie, taking on Western Michigan. Cards coming in at twelve and five. They are seven and zero at home. But Western Michigan, who's just six and eleven, two and two in the conference, but they do have a two-game win streak. Again, that's a seven o'clock tip. Same time for Creighton and Butler at the Fieldhouse. Creighton zero and four in true road games. Florida State and Notre Dame. Here we Seven go. o'clock tonight. <laughs> Notre Dame at nine and nine. Seven o'clock. Remember that, okay, you guys. Seven o'clock sharp tonight. Mm-hmm. I'll be glued to perhaps one of those two that I'd mentioned, or Illinois, Chicago, and Valpo. Also at seven o'clock, Evansville and Southern Illinois at eight o'clock. That's the. What is Evansville? The city called because that's the Battle of Evansville.
3: Isn't the pocket city?
2: Excuse me, Evansville. The pocket city is that right? Yeah, I, I just call it the toe.
3: I thought you know it's kind of in the in the pocket of you know before Indiana.
2: they they came up with the 69 extension which by the way that's where the query gas and gulp is going to go i'm going to sell literally uh fountain drinks dip combo and clean bathrooms that's it i'm going to make a million dollars there are no um gas stations yet on that but before that you had to go like to Terre Haute and then down 41 to evansville it was like four hour uh, drive brutal, brutal. and the worst part is when you were done you were in evansville
3: speaking of um ball state you said michael lewis is
2: Buy buying some beer for the students. Four hundred. Uh, the first four hundred students get free uh, a coupon for a free refreshment, including um, beer. If I would assume you have to be of age.
3: God, I need something to watch Notre Dame basketball tonight. <laughs>
2: We're going to bring over some PBR. Yeah,
3: I'm going to need that. PBR of our PBR party? As we mentioned earlier, the Pacers lose really a tale of two halves yesterday with the Bucs. You didn't have Tyrese Halburn, of course. No Giannis Antetokounmpo. No Chris Middleton. It was a three-point shooting contest in Milwaukee. 19 threes for the Pacers. 23 for the Bucs. Uh, Indiana got outscored by 24 in the second half. Jake, it was fun to see T.J. McConnell. Career high, 29 points for him, 9 assists. The thing I love about T.J. McConnell, he always has such a knack for, like, find the hot hand. Well, then he realized after, like, one or two shots, oh, wow, I'm the hot hand. So, all of a sudden, you're watching T.J. McConnell, like, take over and look like he's probably back in high school. Uh, 25 in the first half for him. So, from an individual standpoint, he was certainly the highlight. Miles Turner back from injury, 30-8 and for him.
2: How about LeBron last night with 48, by the way? He's going to score 48 when he is 48. Seriously. Uh, several people pointing out Blue Healer is what that dog is. That's the breed, Blue Healer. That's why he's bluey. You know, the, the, the
3: title of this, I'm a little nervous to say on air. Joe says, check out
4: Puss in the Boots Last Wish. Okay. It's a okay. Shrek spinoff. Oh, okay. Puss in Boots, like the i have enjoy doing this show. It's a See? kid. It's a kid, kid movie. Hey, I, 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 I was. Kevin's on the that. one that said he was. Well, worried about I just the name you know
3: it. I I knew you guys would react, or I knew Jake would would react very no, I, quickly. i I hey, like I'm very that. So
4: tisk tisk. <laughs>
2: okay, uh, Scotty. By the way, must have gotten the memo that the pop quiz is early this morning. He's in here in his full Pittsburgh.
4: Is that Crosby? Regalia. No.
3: Little little,
2: little, little pre Crosby pre Crosby Penguins jersey with a pirate blue in it. I've never seen a Pirates hat. or a Penguins jersey with baby blue in it.
3: Uh, So the Pop Quiz is coming up next. Again, we're doing a little bit earlier today as Chuck Pagano is going to join us around 940. So give us a call, 317-239-1070. Pop Quiz time. Jiffy Lou Boyle Change, up for grabs.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200mg at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Can you handle the pressure? sharpen your pencils it's time for the pop quiz with kevin and inquiry brought to you by jiffy lube indiana's favorite oil chain since 1985 pop
3: quiz looks tough scotty chuck pagano gonna join us in 15
2: yeah i think it's tough yeah this is tough might be some hints.
3: Now, was this the pop quiz from yesterday and uh, repurposed a little? Four fifths. Okay. Apologies on that front. We had a busy busy show on Monday. Again, Chuck in about 15, so we're bumping up the pop quiz a few minutes today.
2: Jake, at number one through eight. Uh, I'll go with number... Last night, that fellow missed four extra points, so we'll go with four.
3: Ryan. God, thank the Lord he made the fifth.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yellow. Ryan, what's happening? How you doing, Jake?
3: Ryan. Right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, swell. I'm Kevin. By the
6: way, I know who you are, <laughs> Kevin. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Ryan, you sound like a nice fellow. You've called the program before, correct? Yes, sir. And um, and what does the day consist of? For it's nine twenty-six. I'd like to know, Ryan, what time you woke up this morning?
6: Oh, probably about the same time you did. I was up about 4.30. Oh, you, you think Jake's up at Ryan, if you think Jake oh, is up so at Ryan. that hour, man. Ryan,
2: what were you doing up at 4.30? Well, my wife gets
6: up, and uh, we have kittens, and the oh, kittens okay. know it's time to be fed, so okay, they
3: lovely. come see Papa. I like that. Ryan, and, that was a joke, right, that you thought Jake was awake at 4.30?
6: Well, you know, somewhere around, somewhere in the vicinity of awakening. No.
2: 6:45 is Yeah, the exactly. Uh-huh. That's yeah. actually about 2 hours after I went to bed, Ryan, if you really want to know the truth. Uh Ryan, my last question before we get, we begin the pop quiz. And and by the way, I you sound like a fellow that would be fun to have at our PBR party if you want to come out and have a PBR when uh you know, we'll let you know when that happens. Um if you could pick any one team to win their next sports championship, what team would you choose? not not who, oh. you, not who you're predicting you have the ability through a genie to see somebody win a title what team would you most want to see win purdue basketball okay Ooh. how about that one nice. yesterday
6: oh it was good Edie is a monster man he reminds me of shack back in the day gosh
3: he, yeah, he i is mean the good. numbers he puts up
2: and again he's playing 36 minutes a night not fouling anybody I know, to do that in the Big Ten is hard Yeah, Uh, Ryan, you sound like a nice fellow Would you like for me to lead you off That would be Jake or Kevin To give you question number one I'd like Kevin to do it Okay.
3: This Ryan, I appreciate that LeBron James scored 48 as the Lakers beat the Rockets Last night, he now has 40 point games Against every NBA team Except one, one that's not too far away From his hometown Uh, Name the only NBA team against which LeBron Has never scored at least 40 points I'll go the Cavs. Uh, Pacers, I, I should say his current hometown. Pacers, Clippers, Trailblazers, or Bucks?
2: Oh, uh, Clippers. Okay, question number two. The Jacksonville Jaguars came back to beat the L.A. Chargers Saturday night despite having a minus five turnover ratio in the game. Named the last team to win an NFL playoff game with a turnover ratio of minus five or worse the st louis rams the indianapolis colts the buffalo bills or it was unprecedented jacksonville is the first to have accomplished it
6: um jacksonville is going to jacksonville so i'm going to say jacksonville okay
3: Yes, okay. ryan's a smart dude here sante samuel picked off three trevor lawrence that's a sante samuel jr right so when you know you're getting old, picked off three Trevor Lawrence passes in the first half of the Chargers' loss to the Jags. Name the only player who, or excuse me, name the player who had three interceptions in a Super Bowl. A. Dexter Jackson, B. Larry Brown, C. Jake Scott, or D. Rod Martin.
2: I think Larry Brown won a Super Bowl MVP because of that. So I'll say Larry Brown. You know, Jake Scott also was a Super Bowl MVP, by the way. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins, I thought he was a Colts guard. That also, yeah. And Larry Brown was also a Pacers coach. Uh, Sam Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return in the Bengals' win over the Ravens last night—not uh, last night, but two nights ago—was the longest fumble return in NFL playoff history. Who held the old record? Leon Lett, Wilbur Marshall, Andy Russell, or Mike Curtis? I would tell you, this guy's last name is the same as the first name of an NFL quarterback who had a bad year. Uh, Leon Lett, Wilbur Marshall, Andy Russell, or Mike Curtis? I'm going go Andy Russell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, Ryan, to round it out, Daniel Jones
3: became just... By the way, Ryan, I think I've asked you this before. Your favorite Purdue basketball player of all time?
6: Big Dog Robinson. Hard to argue.
3: And number two on the list? The Biggie. Caleb Smartigan. I like it. I like it. All right, to round it out, Daniel Jones became just the third quarterback in NFL playoff history to throw for 300 yards and rush for 75 in the same game. Name one of the other two players to do it. Mm. One was oh. left-handed.
2: Steve Young. Ryan, did you? Where do you live exactly in Indiana? Do You live in
6: Indianapolis. Uh, I'm in a weird spot. I'm right on the borders, so I'm right in Marion County, Fish, uh, Hamilton County. Okay. But, yeah. Did you go to Purdue? Uh, yeah, for a couple years.
3: Okay, Ryan. Uh, your level of excitement at Jeff Saturday got the head coaching job. Uh, one on a one to ten scale. One would be the excitement Jake would have waking up at four thirty a.m. Ten would be you if Purdue won a national title. Uh, where would that be if Jeff Saturday got hired?
6: Um if he got hired yes i don't think i don't think i could control my disappointment if that happens so can we go negative
3: okay negative on that list
2: okay got it noted uh here we go by the way ryan as a a noted indiana fan growing up can you guess who my favorite purdue player was when i was a kid the one guy that played for purdue that despite my iu fandom i really liked as a player and appreciated and respected can you guess who that was I would say John Wooden. <laughs> well, I'm not that old now. I mean, come on. Uh, good guess, though. Troy Lewis, by the way, was the correct answer. Uh, okay, here we go. Question number one. The L.A. Clippers was indeed uh, see, the correct uh, answer. Correcto. Question two.
3: Ryan, I, this game's popping into my head. Do you remember when Kansas and Purdue played the national title, like Hummel Hummel had like the bulky knee? That was one of my favorite Purdue games. I know Purdue lost that game, but that was kind of a fun Purdue team that I don't think was crazy talented, but should've beat Kansas.
6: Yeah, and those Hummel teams we should have won a couple. So I hey. shut these IU guys up about their banners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the best the best Kansas Purdue moment was when Glenn Robinson dunked on Ostertag and Ostertag gave him five. Was that that in Tennessee? That was in Knoxville. Yeah, that's correct. All right, number two, yes,
3: the Jags. That is correct. First team to win a playoff game, minus five in the turnover. Uh,
2: Andy Russell and Steve Young were correct for four and five. Where Ryan got tripped up was question number three, and that was a great guess of Larry Brown, who then went after winning the Super Bowl MVP for the Cowboys, went to the Raiders, was a complete bust. Uh, Rod Martin, though, was the correct answer for question. Number three. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan, give the kittens a pat for us. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You did not get, get, get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> Possession oh into the end zone God. for a- us.
3: <laughs> Ryan doesn't sound like a fan if Jeff Saturday gets the job.
2: No. His level of disappointment would be great, he said.
3: Uh, The head coach, to be named, coming up here likely in a few weeks, will be two coaches removed from our next guest, and that will be Chuck Pagano going to join us to round out the show here on this Tuesday morning.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: What is a beautiful Tuesday here in Indy. Scotty is wearing a Pirates hat which led to a discussion of best arms in Major League Baseball history and we... Some of these guys don't have the best arms probably all time. But it led to the discussion of of some guys that played for the Pirates. They had some darn good cannons in the outfield. Clemente is probably the cream of the crop. But but I saw the other day a list. Somebody had a list on social media, you know, one of these baseball sites. And it said, below are the, you know, the common thought 20 best arms in mlb history each up you know, which are your favorite and it didn't have dave parker listed and i'm like well this this list is immediately invalidated right i mean
3: i always thought each row had a cannon which i love because he's not built like dave parker or <laughs> what you think right. of as
2: a corner outfielder man i love dave parker though i mean when he was a red you know he 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 had his personal demons that that probably held him back from being a true Hall of Fame level player, but when he was out in right field, man, I mean, he had an absolute rocket for an arm.
3: Chuck Pagano going to join us in a few. Assume he was up last night watching T.Y. Hilton, probably rooting for T.Y. there, his former player. Um, Again, to update you on the Colts Head coaching front, yesterday reported three interview requests, which... Was, I think, to be expected this week. Uh, Wild card assistant coaches. Those would be Mike Kafka, offense coordinator from the Giants. Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator with the Giants. And then D'Amico Ryans, who, again, if I probably had to make a favorite list, he'd be at the top. A defensive coordinator from the 49ers there. It sounds like none of the three will interview this week. Again, a tight week for all those guys. And just playing a game and now getting ready for the divisional round. So... It could be a quiet-ish week for the Colts on the interview front of things. Um, Maybe Jeff Saturday has his official interview. We have not seen that yet.
2: Do we know this yet? Does Jeff Saturday get interviewed, or are we just under the assumption? Is it possible that that's just kind of an understood that he wants the job and his... Could he have done, you know, his exit interview at the end of the season, could that have served as his coaching interview? No,
3: I think he has an official one. Again, the Colts have announced all seven of their interviews so far. So um, from an official standpoint, I think Jeff Saturday will still have his. We really haven't, you know, all, all 10 candidates are, or I should say were current coordinators in the NFL. We have not had kind of that wow candidate yet in a, oh, I didn't think about it. I didn't think of him as any sort of candidate. Uh, we had one in 2018. That would have been Matt Rule when he was still early in his Baylor career. So I'll, I'm curious
2: if we get that. I, I'm i also curious... I'm going to shut the blinds. From a, a standpoint of an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator that becomes a head coach, is it hard to wean yourself off of paying too much attention to one side of the ball versus the other, which is one of the things that we can ask our next guest about. Of course, you know him as the former Colts head coach. You can also see him on Wish Television over the course of the year providing his analysis. He joins us now on the payload Sickers Hotline with a return visit to the program. Chuck Pagano joins us in what is an early morning for him, so we certainly appreciate that. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. There are a couple of things that I, I wanted to go over with you, and I think the genesis of the uh, of having you on was we were talking the other day, myself and Kevin, about this, and I thought you'd be a perfect person to give us some perspective. As the Colts are going through and doing these coaching interviews, I became curious of this, and that is exactly what it, a job interview looks like and you went through it, you know, as a head coach. I mean, how much of the interview process is simply questions along the lines of what would you do in this situation on a fourth and three? And how much of it is more about the personality of an individual when you went through that process? Can you just kind of give us a glimpse how it all how it all works out?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think what people are doing now may be a little bit different uh, then my situation, mine was so late. You know, we had just played in the AFC Championship, lost to, you know, uh, the Patriots, and then went in. But I think now this first initial initial round is kind of a get to know type of deal, where just what's what's this guy's personality? What's in his DA, DNA? Um, maybe share, you know, the organization share their vision. A little bit and what they're looking for and then mostly you know get some background on the individual some personal stuff what his philosophy is um how he sees a a team being you know made up some of those things so i think it's more of you know a lot of of, uh, get to know stuff some teams may go a little bit more in depth on this initial one but i think what you're trying to do is like when you look at the colts They've obviously cast, to use a cliche, right, cast a wide net and had a, a bunch of people in this first week. Most of it, you know, per the rules, is virtual. So they're just trying to, to maybe maybe eliminate, you know, some of those names, you know, get some guys on and maybe it's just not a fit. But I think it's it's mostly, you know, is this guy... You know the leader of men that we heard this guy was. What kind of feel do we have? What's his personality like? Does it look like it'll be a, a fit? You know, with our with our uh, general manager, does it look like these two uh, can work uh, side by side in a collaborative effort to make this thing work? And then maybe down the road, guys, it's it's you get into more of the the philosophical stuff of you know how do you how do you see the roster being built? Um, where do you see our team? Can you give us an evaluation of our team, offense, defense, the specialists that you have on the, on the team currently? Where do you see the holes uh, in this team? Um, offense, defense, uh, special teams, what, what's the identity of this team? Gonna What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Can you kind of paint us a picture as as far as that goes? So um, I think those things you probably get a little bit more in depth. The analytics, as you guys know, pay you know play a huge role now um, with some more than others, so to speak. So they might dive into you know where are you with with analytics? You know, the job that you're at, how how did that look like in in your building? How many people were there? How much do you rely on that? How much do you depend on that? Are you going to call plays? You know, because a big deal with a lot of these guys now, especially the offensive guys, the young offensive quarterback guy, quarterback whisperer, so to speak, you know, they want to call the plays and then how are you going to manage the game? What's that going to look like? We saw the situation in Denver this year with Nathaniel Hackett and having to go out and hire a Jerry Rosberg. Uh, two weeks into the season to help him with with game management, so I think those are those are some of the some of the things that uh, are obviously going to be discussed.
2: I can't recall, Coach, and I apologize for this. I was trying to think back on this when you were hired as the head coach of the Colts and Ryan Grigson was hired as the general manager. It was within like a three week period between the two, so my assumption was that your hire was by Jim Mersey and not necessarily by Ryan Grigson. But the reason I ask that is because we know that Chris Ballard will make a recommendation, but by his own admission, it is Jim Irsay that will be making the hire. Is there a danger in that of getting a coach that is not 100% on par with the general manager?
1: Uh, You know, always. You know, I think that's the the first thing that they're going to look for. When I came in there, Ryan was there, he was already hired ryan i think probably with jim's blessing um ryan gave me that opportunity and for that i'm forever grateful i think that was that was ryan's they they had i think i was i don't know what number uh that i was on that list but i know i was almost dead last as far as guys coming in just because of the time like i mentioned earlier uh, when that thing went down after the FC championship game it wasn't you know, two days later that I was in the building at West 56 visiting, you know, Jim was in there. We talked for about an hour. Uh, then Jim, you know, Jim left. And then I had a discussion with, with Ryan and, and, and Pete Ward uh, was in there and, and some other constituents, uh, guys that have a seat at the table, decision makers. Uh, they're just trying to get as many people in there to get a feel for for you as, as, a, as a person, as a human being. Um... And really trying to see, okay, is this marriage going to work? Can these guys work side by side? Jim always talked about the three pillars, you know, the owner, the general manager, and the head coach, and and those three pillars working uh, collaboratively, side by side, in concert, singing out of the uh, same hymnal, all the things that you want to use to describe that relationship. But if that relationship, again, that's got to be – you know, very, 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 very important, and I think a lot of the things because I didn't know, I had no idea. Really, it was my first time interviewing for a head coaching job. Just coming off that game, preparation was minimal, so really didn't have an idea. Really, the right you know questions to ask. Where I think these guys are more prepared now. They have agents. They have you know they. I think they have a, a better heads up of. Uh, what's coming down the pike and what to ask. Like, okay, who's who's picking the players, you know, when it comes down to the draft? What, what's that going to look like? Who's going to decide the 53, you know, once we get to the regular season? Who's going to decide uh, inactive? Who's going to be up on game day? But the most important thing to me is is that relationship between uh, the GM and, and the head coach. And, and we've seen, you know, we've seen some um, – you know, this year, I mean, just look at, you know, the Giants and, and what happened there with, with Brian and, and the GM there. Uh, so, uh, very, very important.
3: Kenny's okay, Chuck Pagano, and he's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Six years as Colts head coach, 53-43 and 43 in his time here. Chuck, I, I, I want to stay there for just a second. Like, your emotions leading into that AFC Championship game, I mean, that was a crazy game. I mean, you guys had a golden opportunity, not to bring up a bad memory, you had a golden opportunity certainly to win that game. And then, can you walk me through maybe like that Saturday, Sunday, Monday of thinking Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl? You guys lose in excruciating fashion, and then boom, you're scrambling for this interview. And if I'm not mistaken, like, you know, you had to kind of convince Bruce Arians to be your OC, bring him out of retirement. It's not like you had this locked in plan necessarily going into the interview.
1: No, it was definitely fly by the seat of your pants, Kevin. I mean, it was it was wild. Like you said, you go up there, um, we've got the ball late in that game. We're down three, 23-20. Uh, Flacco's taking us down the field. Throws what we all thought was a touchdown catch to Lee Evans. If you remember in the corner of the engine sure. there, and a DB knocked it out right at the uh, same time and called in from incomplete. Missed a, a chip shot field goal to go to overtime and and then get home in the late game, get home early early that, that next morning, go in the office. John calls me in, said the Colts stock called, they want to talk to you. And I'm like, about what? To your point. I had no idea. They even still had a job open because all of us were so immersed in, in the AFC championship game, the game itself, preparation, all that stuff. So I had really no idea. And then the next thing you know, you're on the phone, you know, I'm on the phone talking to Ryan. Uh, set up an interview send you know hey i need some time uh, to get some things together get some thoughts together and it was like don't worry about it just let's come up let's chat let's get to know each other you know jim wants to meet whatever so you know send the plane down get on the plane next you know i'm in the building and and then the rest is the rest is history i mean it it was it was wild
2: dude do coaches go through – Chuck Paganos our guest on the Payless Ziggurs Hotline. Are there coaches that go through the process kind of to avoid – I'm not going to say avoid that situation, Coach, but to be prepared for it for the future? So, in other words, is it possible there are coaches that the the Colts are going to talk to that are just kind of familiarizing your, themselves with the process for the future but not necessarily ready to make the move right now?
1: Um. You know, that's a great question. Uh, maybe so, because um, I, I think it's more, you know, both sides getting to know each other and see if that's the fit for them and, and see what the situation is like. Again, there's only 32 of them, right? And so all these guys, if, if given the opportunity, I find it really hard to believe unless unless they just walk into something and just have this Bad, bad feeling. That this is not going to work. This is not for me. The situation isn't right. Uh, the circumstances aren't right. The roster is not right. You only get one shot at this. Yeah, I know that. Um, I, can, I can jump on this now, but as we're seeing, you're not given a lot of time anymore. There's not a whole lot of patience uh, when it comes to comes to these jobs and 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 the owners. You know, everybody's you know want, wants to win and wants to win now. It's kind of the Burger King mindset You know I want it my way and I, I want it, I want it now and, and if that and if that doesn't happen, we're seeing unfortunately you know more one and dunce than we've ever seen and you guys know better than anybody that it, that it takes time uh, especially uh, depending on where you're at uh, as a football team where your rosters at uh, do you have a, a, a quarterback in place? Uh, that can that can lead your uh, team to a division championship. We all know winning your division is the easiest way to get in the tournament, and then anything can happen from there. So I think there's a, a feeling out process, but I think that also, given the fact, like we talked about, there's only 32 uh, of these jobs, and I, I, you know, it'd be hard. I'd be hard pressed to think that if, you know, that thing was offered, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to leave. I just got, you know, my dream job in Baltimore as the defensive coordinator. There, we had a great team. We had a great team coming back. Shoot, they won the Super Bowl. We played them, obviously in the wild call round, lost. They went on to win a Super Bowl. So knew what we had there. But Tina was, Tina was like, I can't even repeat what she told me. You know, when I told her we were thinking of, you know, that maybe this wasn't for me. You know, this wasn't our time. Maybe we had more work to do here. And she obviously didn't want that to happen. So. <laughs> I called Jim back and said, yeah, we're coming. <laughs> but anyway, it was
2: funny. Was it hard, Coach, and I get it, right? I mean, listen, like, are you crazy, Chuck? Like, here's an opportunity, right? So you take it. Is it hard when you were a coordinator and you had a coordinator mindset and then all of a sudden now you're in charge of all sides of the football and special teams and everything else. Was it hard to wean yourself off of prioritizing that one side of the ball and realizing that you now are in charge of multiple facets?
1: Yeah, so Kevin mentioned that I think it earlier about Bruce Arians and putting the staff together and not having you know any idea um, – what that was going to look like from a staff standpoint so I was very very fortunate you know once once accepted that job and the dust settled you get done with all the press conferences and interviews and those kind of things and you start to go to work on on putting your staff together Um, and I was again very fortunate that Bruce was was on the street he was in the middle of uh, what he thought maybe was retirement driving back and forth with truckloads of stuff to Georgia to his place down there him and Chris Got him on the phone and, and was fortunate enough to get him in there and, and offer a job, and he, he accepted. Uh, so that, that side, I didn't have to worry about um, being a defensive minded coach and, and spending my whole uh, coaching career as an assistant on that side of the ball. And so then, you know, get a guy, Greg Minuski, somebody that, you know, I was very familiar with, my brother had worked with same philosophy same kind of system uh, that I was coming from from the Ravens so that kind of that kind of mirrored up there and um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to with all the responsibilities and then you never know uh, what that entails until you actually sit in that chair I remember sitting there as soon as everything was done I'm sitting in coach Caldwell's old office and I'm going through all the drawers looking for the head coaching manual that he hopefully left behind,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like presidents, <laughs> you know, they leave a little like, letter for you. Yeah, yeah. got to be so in here somewhere. <laughs> That's right.
1: What's 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 next? What do we what do we do next? What do we just get ourselves into? And it's just mind-boggling the things that, that come across your desk that have like zero to do with X's and O's. So I was I was again very fortunate um, to get Bruce. Uh, to lead that that side of, of the football, and and obviously a rookie quarterback and Andrew coming in and um, his success uh, in that regard with that position in the offensive side, and then and they're getting uh, getting Minuski and and then everything kind of else kind of fell into place. But yeah, there's 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 so there's so much to it that you know it's my belief that whoever you get, I mean they guys don't want to give up the play calling stuff, but they're going to figure out that there's so much there. Uh, to handle let alone just game day handling and lord knows i made my fair share of mistakes but and that's a work in progress but just managing uh those 60 minutes of, of football uh without having to try to call one side of the ball or the other
3: chuck i know your relation and again chuck pagano is with us here on the paleo hotline i know your your relationship with jim mercy means a whole lot off the field and obviously is something that we still see play out today. We had you on before your gala back in the fall. Um, You know, a big question I think that people have about this head coach opening is they felt like Jim Irsay meddled in some pretty serious um, decision-making moments for this franchise over the last 12 months. Uh, when you were here for six years, did you ever get the feeling or sense or see that Jim Ursay was meddling or not allowing Ryan and you to do the jobs you were hired to do?
1: Never. Never. I mean, we had discussions. Look, Jim's been around this his entire life, so he, he knows uh, what it's supposed to look like. He knows how it's supposed to be set up. So, those experiences and that wisdom, again, there was a tons, of, tons and tons of conversations about everything uh, involving uh, the team and, and really what, what gave us the best chance to win and what was best for the organization. But not, not one time did he ever uh, tell me or Ryan, this is what we're going to do. This is what you have to do. He just set the expectations and then said, okay, these are the expectations and I'm, you know let us do our job. And so it's a a bottom-line business, as we all know. And when you win and you have success, you get to stick around. And and when you don't, uh, they move on. So, again, Jim is very, very passionate. We know that. He hates losing more than he loves winning. We all know that. And so he's going to share with whoever what what his vision is, what his expectations are, but then he's going to allow you to do your job. And then it's up to you, it's up to the, the general manager, uh, the staff that you put together, uh, making, making that whole thing work.
2: Final 45 seconds, Coach, and I know you have relationships, presumably probably with a lot of these guys, Just in your heart, or, or just deep down, the guy that you think ultimately the Colts are going to zero in on is who? <laughs>
1: that's a that's a, a great question, and, and one that I wish I had uh, an answer for, but... Uh, um, conventional wisdom would say. I mean, we all know, obviously, how much Jim uh, loves Jeff, and you know. So obviously, uh, I would say that that just knowing that relationship, that that Jeff probably is the front runner uh, right now. But there's so many. Uh, quality uh, candidates. You know, you think about Biennemi and the success that he's had that uh, Evro, the DC I, I'm just looking at the names that they've already talked to. Aaron Glenn, Ben John, the offensive guys uh, you know, Biennemi, Johnson, Steichen, and uh, Kafka now with the Giants, the job that he's done there Brian Dayball and uh, Danny Dimes. When they you know, when they pick the it, Coach,
2: we're going to have you back on when they pick it. How's that, right? <laughs> to, to give you breakdowns. breakdown. Yeah. Does that work?
1: Yeah, you guys are gonna love Wink Martindale's interview too. Hopefully, he get you get in front of him.
3: You get, I get a little BA vibes from from old Wink.
1: No A, hey, no question about it. He'd <laughs>
3: he'd,
1: be, he'd be wonderful, but they got a bunch of great ones to talk to, and he'll they'll pick the right guy.
3: Coach Kent, thank you enough. we we'll to have you on again, and uh, good luck with the golf game.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thank you.
3: That's a great Chuck Pagano right there. We'll-